Yeah! When that robot voice pops in, you know it is time to begin! And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. through a workout or a run. Hey, maybe you're Christmas shopping or holiday canoodling. I don't know what you're canoodling means, but maybe you're doing that. Maybe you're just sitting by the window, listening to your podcast, sipping a cup of hot cocoa. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. These are individuals, glorious, wonderful, general, generous folks who give to the show. Make sure it continues every single month. And we are so grateful for them. Also, they get some pretty cool perks as a result of their support of this here show, including ad free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand. They get bonus content. Every single patron of the show gets a, uh, an, an extra show on Fridays called Feeling This that Christian Spicer and Alex Solman are doing, talking about the feelings behind games. That's, a, that's you know, the base level. If you go up from there, uh, from your bold support into your Cool Ranch support of the show, you also get... Our Wednesday program, the paid DLC program, we call it, which is an unstructured, nay, uh, mostly uh, nonsense, but so much fun. We enjoy it. And it features Christian Spicer, myself, and a third person, Lana Bashinsky, who you may recognize as being uh, oftentimes on this very podcast. But she's always there uh, with us on on Wednesdays. And that is all the, even more content. You get uh you get you get uh spoiler chats. We just did a God of War spoiler chat. All at patreon.com slash DLC pod. DLC this this program, this main show is the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice luck and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Canada, spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined as always by my friend slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's been nipping at my nose every Christmas for nine years, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Um, that's actually just a habit you picked up in LA, Jeff. It has nothing to do with me. Um, I think in Denver, you call it snow, but here in LA, you don't get that. Um, to your point, I know, Jack, I know what you're really alluding to, but mine was funnier. That's um, all right. Um, two things. One, this past Friday's uh, feeling this episode of Alex was about UI and UX, which I think is fascinating because a lot of it is about uh, like a specific game. And this was like a thing that we see in so many games and how mm. that can impact the feeling of a game and, and what that parlays. And this, my friend, is one brief review we got recently for uh, paid DLC. And if this doesn't get you to sign up, I don't know what will. Quote, this week's paid episode is so good. Right up there with the fart episode as one of the funniest of any podcast I've heard. If you aren't a patron, you are seriously missing a whole different kind of show. 
from the main show. So if that wow funniest episode ever of I'm any podcast fart episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first. If only there was some way to convey to you, friends, how much fun those Wednesday episodes are. If only we could somehow Impossible. recreate the dynamic. Mm-mm. Can't do that it. We find on that. There's no way. There's. It seems impossible. But if only we could bring that fun, that trio of joy uh, onto this main show, boy, that seems like it would be a, a home run. Mix that with the fact that we have literally too much to talk about in in the confines of of one podcast. The, this week of gaming, uh, new. Even if there wasn't the Game Awards, which there was, and there's lots to talk about there, even if there wasn't the Game Awards, it would be one of the biggest weeks of gaming news of the year. Uh, and and we find ourselves with so much to talk about. Plus, there's t- games galore. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if this, this episode is going to be, it's going to be possible to, to finish it. But luckily, we have a guest, one of our favorite guests. You may have heard her name before. Maybe I said it 15 seconds ago. <laughs> but you know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm so excited because once again, DLC stands for drawing life into characters. Or maybe it should be um, uh, <laughs> disorganization when Lana comes. Hey! <laughs> ah, I just made that up on the fly. Uh, it's our friend, senior animator at Riot. Lead. I think I probably got your title wrong. You it's did. Lana Brzezinski, ladies and gentlemen. Hey! <laughs> what is your exact title? I'm sorry if we're getting My it wrong. My exact title is uh, Animation Lead Research and Development. That's what I meant to say. Woo! But, See, so know- here's the thing. When Jeff says <laughs> everything's unplanned and there's no structure, it's just him. Lana and I are it's locked true. and loaded. It's very true. <laughs> yeah. you I know, feel like dis- I bring disorganization you guys on board. when Lana comes feels like it's my fault. And I'm like, you know, as much as like the other day, I was like, can I be like, is this like my thing now too? And like the Wesley show? And you guys were like, sure. Like that stuff, I'm kind of like, well, it's like mostly your thing, right? So like, I don't know no. if I'm bringing the disorganization. And also, you constantly say it. It is one of the best structured, best planned podcasts in existence. For the guests, so I don't think it's fair I, I, on any front. But no matter wow. what, I'm so happy that I can help bring some of the barely listenable. <laughs> what do you call? It? You really sold it. Barely listenable, absolute chaos on the Wednesday is- show to the Sunday show. Here we are. It, no, it is, it is it is one of my favorite hours of the week. It, it truly, I look forward to it every week. It is always fun. It always goes mm-hmm. to unpredictable places. And we are so grateful, Anna, that you've given your time to us every single week. When we first started this, you were like, we we're like, would you want to be on the paid show? Would you, would you want to like maybe be on it every once in a while? And you've been there almost every single week, except for your wedding. Uh, other than that, it, it literally, it's been amazing. And you're awesome. And we love you. And the, the uh, fans love you. And Look, there's like two things in my life that like the first time I attended them, I was like, I need to be a bigger part of that. One of them was GDC and the Animation <laughs> Summit and DLC, like the second one where I'm like, I don't, I, do you know how many like weeks I almost messaged you guys just going to ask you if you wanted to be my friend, like a very <laughs> sad trajectory. Anyway, I'm glad now that we have a reason to hang out all the time. Well, best. as Christian knows very, out. very well, it, you can co-host with me, but you, we can't be <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, 
Lana, any, yes. so it's basically any three letter acronym that ends in C is your favorite thing ever is what we're yeah. looking at. It's just GDC, GDC, DLC, DLC yeah. ABC, ABC yeah. ABD, East Coast Family. <laughs> this That's is, see, this is, we've, we've done it, everybody. <laughs> we did it. We're creating the experience for the non-patrons. Yeah. Uh, you say there's a lot of game dev news? No. Let's pontificate about absolutely nothing for a solid 20 minutes. And then we'll think about getting to like some game announcements. I don't know. My worry now, this, this didn't dawn on me until recently, but my worry now with, with, you know, this was the first year that we did a patron, a Patreon for uh, DLC Mm -hmm. show has been going almost nine years, (sighs) complete nine complete years. Uh, We're, we're almost at the end of our ninth year. This is the first year we did a, a, a Patreon and I'm now uh, of the belief that, that the ancillary shows, the bonus content is eclipsing the main show. People like feeling this and paid DLC more than this show. And frankly, that cannot stand. That cannot stand. Well, no, it's just that we have two listeners of those other two shows that really like them. And then... <laughs> They'll email 15 times a week on their re-listens. They're like, oh, I actually caught like a little sneeze that I didn't catch earlier. Oh. But they do verify with their phone number before they create a new email account to email. So it's all go. different people. There's yeah. no way to get around having multiple phone numbers, guys. So um, all right, I, I, I start the show by saying we have more sh- more stuff to talk about than we have show. And then we start going crazy. And people are like, just get to it. <laughs> So I'm going to just get to it. Let's start the show the way we always do. It's story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's, uh, that's the email for the show. So you can send anything you'd like us to know. Any comments, questions, a fan mail for the, you know, other shows that we do that that I'm not part of, maybe even that. That's fun. Uh, I've been reading a lot of those lately. Um, and uh, we appreciate hearing from you. You can also hang out in our cool communities. We have a Discord that is at 5x5DLC on Discord. And we also have a subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com, uh, where you can hang out with cool folks talking about fun stuff. I urge you to take part, but Lana, mm. you are our guest, even though you're our family, but you are our guest. So you get first <laughs> pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Um, it is tough to say because there are so many great ones, but I think I got to go with the, the thing I want to talk about the most, which is just the game awards, which I guess yeah. would be the, the announcements part of it in general, though I have so many thoughts about all of it. Um, the Game Wars announcements, there's so many. You so know, many. There's like a, a big list here. Uh, there's definitely a couple that pop out to me. I don't know how you necessarily want to well, roll through this. but us macro because you said you you had talk, thoughts about the show as a whole. Yeah. Uh, well, go ahead. We've, we've talked about the Game Awards in the past. Uh, and I like the things that like really stick out to me were Christian's sort of like distaste for it overall as like an award show or like, what's the point of it? And there's yeah. always, like all these, a lot of people are like, Oh, there's all these ads. And it's like, okay, trailers for games ads, I guess synonymous, but also things I'm excited about. But I feel like this is the first year that I watched the game awards where I watched it with like a watch party at work. And my perspective has always been like, cool. I get to see trailers and also like celebrate like games. That's exciting. 
But this is the first year that it really struck me that like the award for like best art direction was like like best art direction to me as an artist. Obviously, like that's a huge award, the best art direction out of all these amazing titles. And it was one of the awards that I got like a five second shout out on. And I was like, oh, wait, no, is this an award ceremony? Really? There was only like four that actually had a moment where they got to go up on stage. And then the rest was like, anyway, here's who wins. Next. Next trailers. Christopher Judge sort of made the... uh... (laughs) <laughs> made the argument for not letting anybody get up on stage. <laughs> that is a really good point, but I do love Teal'c. And so I'm kind of like, take your, take your time on the limelight. Beautiful. Yeah, love I guess. the gold. It's I a guess. vibe. I guess you, you only got one speech. shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you're right. There are a number of awards. There are literally like a, a box came up on the left of the person's head that had yeah. all the nominees. And then one of them got highlighted. Yeah. And that was the, that was the fanfare. That was the pomp and circumstance. It was like, and who's the winner? Here it is. It's like, Highlighted did you one. say it? Out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there did you a, not know yeah. until it got revealed and the teleprompter is broken? So you, you can't tell if it's highlighted? Like, yeah. don't even think of their name shouted out? Whatever. It was a, uh, I feel like it was the first year where I had a really different vibe from the Game Awards and I cared 0% about the awards and obviously just very excited about seeing cool trailers. Well, you know, uh, Jeff Keighley is, is a friend of the show. He's been been on the show, not recently, you know, mm-hmm. but he's a friend of the show. We like Jeff. And honestly, it's a very difficult thing to pull off. And he has done such a good job of elevating video game awards out of mm-hmm. the doldrums of like the MTV, you know, video game awards, which were really just garbage. Spike, and, Spike you, TV. What is it, Spike TV? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which see, also I don't even his, remember. by the way. Yeah. No, you're right. He was involved, but I'm sure he had a lot less control than, Uh, you know, he does now. Regardless, I think he's done a good job in focusing these shows and and, and improving them year after year and and certainly making them a big moment on Mm -hmm. the calendar. They're they're big. This is the award show for this medium. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of things commendable about the job he's done. And and I'm certainly not here to to bury him or, or... you know, unduly criticized. What is something that has a billion moving parts and is very difficult to pull off and he doesn't have control over everything. Yeah. You know, but I do think that there, you know, it, it felt like a year that was very unruly, very um, overlong. Um, a lot of stuff that could have been yanked out of it. It didn't, it didn't feel like it had a lot of control. I mean, things like Al Pacino, just like not having the teleprompter right and just not, be, <laughs> not knowing why he was there and kind of making mm-hmm. that clear to everybody. Like, my kid, my grandkids like this. I guess I'm here. You know, it's just all of it. And that was already all sort of front loaded at the beginning of the show to be just be like, man, this doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. To, to that point, to, real quick to that point. Yeah. Sorry to, to cut no, in, please. but to that point with the Al Pacino thing, I, I do think that that is a disservice to games. It's like this again, like we're look who, look who we, it's like get someone. For, like the medium has its own artist. It's like if you're going to, you know, go to some incredible like uh, painting exhibit, and then mm-hmm. they were like, and here presenting this is uh, look, 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 we have we have this author. This author's here. <laughs> no, but he writes words. I, I Here's it, I can I can see it from Jeff slash whatever production team he has his pers- perspective, right? They have the opportunity. They're trying to get. They're doing best performance. They want someone who is a great performer that is universally recognized 
as a great performer to give, and it has a big name. It'll be a big marquee get. They reach out to probably a bunch of people. They get word back from Pacino's people that he's willing to do it, but he's not going to come to rehearsal. Pacino's not coming to rehearsal, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't have the benefit of knowing the prompter is too small for him to see, right? They gave him words to say on the prompter that have nothing to do with, I don't know why I'm here, but because he can't see the prompter, he's got to start ad-libbing. And the only thing he's ad-libbing is the truth, which is, I don't know why I'm here. My kid, my grandkids wanted me to do this, so I'm doing it. Like, the, all of those things are outside the control of the producers. Like, it's just a moment of perfect storm of, like, if they could have talked Pacino's people into having him at rehearsal, they would have known that he couldn't see the prompter, but I'm sure he just, there was just no question that he was going to come to rehearsal, right? I, and that, well, that's the case where I almost feel like, okay, is there that many like Pacino heads out there that are like really gonna like, because I think part of it is, yeah, they're drawing this parallel. This is a performer. This is a performance. Here's a great performer. And I assume part of it is get this big name because maybe they'll like put it on there. Uh, they'll encourage more viewership outside of the people who might have otherwise seen this thing. Like there's two parts of why I could see trying to hire this external celebrity to do this. But like, I don't know if there's like enough, there's like a couple parts. I don't know if there's enough value behind people who are like huge fans of Al Pacino who would be like, what has Al Pacino done? Done a thing at the Game Awards? What's that? I'll watch it because Pacino's there. I think it's like, Pacino in particular, probably like a tiny amount of like people who follow him avidly will care that much to tune into the Game Awards. Whereas like if you get like Henry Cavill, known nerd in right. a nerd franchise, also a great actor, seems more likely that even the thing he'd ad lib would be like, I love video games. Ah, I feel like there's an, enough celebrities out there who are known for being excellent performers who would have done a better job than randomly Al Pacino's here. Well, we have no idea who they reached out to, right? Yes. You know, we have no idea how that all came to be, how that all happened. I, so, I mean, I would be shocked if no one reached out to Henry Cavill from yeah. the Game Wars, right? So, I guess who I just knows? think foundationally, no matter what, the games industry has consistently and seems to like they will consistently be trying to draw parallels between games and film to say, look how legit we are. We're like right. film. And I think video games as an industry has done so much to be a legitimate, quote unquote, legitimate art form of its own, like so much to stand on its own that drawing those parallels seems needless. And instead drawing towards, like Christian said, the vast history of people who have delivered incredible performances in voice acting over the years in video games would simply be a better choice. Just I think foundationally. A, I think that's an excellent point, Lana. And I think, I think that's the more salient point. I think that's, you said it perfectly. Um, I, I also kind of sympathize with this notion of like, if you can get Al Pacino, why wouldn't we get Al Pacino? You know, like it's bad for the show. Well, <laughs> it turned out to be bad for the show, but I don't think anybody, I don't think you, I think even if he hits that, that teleprompter, I think even if he hits every and he hits it perfect, the issue that Lana pointed out and that I tried to state poorly is still there. It's still this, like, look at us. Look, aren't we, we did it. We're, we're like them. Uh -huh. Instead of being like, <laughs> Uh, we make more money than any film ever has. Yeah. More people play us than watch any movie or TV show ever. Right. 
more people experience it's it, it just it's this has run me too uh, uh not that me too uh us also <laughs> <laughs> uh I think Christian um, I just made I, an allegation against Al Pacino. Is what I think just happened. Right I did. Hua! <laughs> only only one She's character. Not a grunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that character of his has been me tooed out of existence. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the only Pacino impression I do. Um, <laughs> the I I I understand where you guys are coming from. I don't disagree per se. But I also, I mean, there is this, um, there, there is this feeling that it, it, the the personalities uh, that are just inherent in video games are often the ones that we see on stage are often, you know, um, don't don't act like grownups. Hmm. And I think that there is a feeling of wanting a a award show to feel like the grown up table. You know, like look at look at the sort of the um what's the word I'm looking for um mature the, yes but the the like the 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 history the um the, the 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 gravitas the thing we're bringing to it is this this feeling of um tradition that's the word I was looking for this tradition and I think Al Pacino like represents a tradition of of statesmanship and sort of, you know, he's like this elder statesman of acting and you Mm go, Oh, how great is it to have a video game performance awarded by an elder statesman of performance? Like I can see that thinking of like, how Mm -hmm. wonderful would that be? How cool and legitimate does that? And I, and I understand you guys are saying that it, it feels like it's desperate and pandering, and I, I don't think that's wrong I would, necessarily. I wouldn't go that far. Okay. Okay. Fair I enough. just I don't think want to that video games has like enough history that there is somebody in the history of video games who, as somebody who, I guess maybe, I mean, Chris Judge is probably the one person to get the award who'd be like, who would care more about Al Pacino than like another voice actor from game history. But I think tons of voice actors, people who like started in voice acting, that's been their bread and butter forever. Al Pacino, sure, like a great performer, but like imagine if it was like one of the great voice actors of video game history. Like right. name a game that has like a like a quintessential voice that sticks in your mind that you're like, wow, that I remember that video game. I remember that performance. Even if it's something like silly, like the first voice of you know, Crash Bandicoot, like something absurd. That's a video game history. Video game history is not as long as film history, but there is a massive amount of history there that pulling somebody from yeah. the past, I think could have been um, just as valuable, if not to some people, maybe more. Well, we've certainly talked about that moment today. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 not sorry. I think it's, I, I mean, I could talk about it for another hour because I think it's fascinating. Yeah. And I think it does, it does speak to exactly what you guys are talking about. It's like, what is this thing? And what, and another thought I had in watching it was, you know, Je- I really like Jeff. I think he's a good person. And I think mm-hmm. he, you know, I, I think he, his heart's in the right place in that he genuinely wants to elevate video games. Mm-hmm. Right? And he loves them. He, he loves, loves them. them with his oh, whole right. heart. And exactly. He's, he's very That's authentic. Great. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also had that thought like a couple of times when he was introducing uh, the next trailer, you know, I had this thought of like, if Billy Crystal was hosting the Academy Awards, and they were going to show 
a trailer for an, you know the next whatever movie like the next marvel movie and he and he walked and he looked at the camera and he was like it is now my privilege to show you the next thing that will elevate this medium to new heights i am so grateful they have chosen this award ceremony to reveal to you marvels ant-man <laughs> and the wasp you know it's like that would be weird right that would feel weird and that's like that like self-serious and I like I know his heart's in the right place and I know it's coming from this genuine place and I and I know these things are exciting and and in a lot of ways what people tune in for is the big world premiere exciting new game that's coming but it, I don't know that tone to me of like we are so privileged at here at the Game Awards to be able to show you this advertisement it's like is it because it's all Jeff like like things yeah. that the other award ceremonies have, they have banter. They have like skits that happen, which is something. I don't think we want that. that like, <laughs> but that is, I think, one of the things that happens at other award ceremonies. There's like a host, but the host, the host is not the person who reads out every award. Right. No, the host, the host is, host. A, is a great comedian usually. Yeah. Who is there to MC the event, and Jeff is the MC of the event. Yeah. Um. And hit and hit what he brings to the table is not being a great comedian, but it is being a great ambassador to video games. And, mm -hmm. I, and maybe that's exactly, instead of a quippy, fun, goofy line that Chris Rock or Billy Crystal says, we have Jeff expressing a love for the medium. And I maybe that's okay. Maybe maybe I, I'm oh. wrong into, in pointing that out. I, but Billy Crystal also isn't directly profiting off of Marvel putting it, the thing on Billy Crystal's show, that Billy Crystal is the person whose name at the top of it. I mean, so I think there's a lot there. And, and again, I... I'm a big fan of what Jeff has done in terms mm -hmm. of, I feel like there's too many caveats. So I'm just going to say the other side of it. The other stuff we've said for years on this podcast, the show's a mess. It doesn't know what it's trying to be. It's misnamed. It's not about awards, but they try to hold that up as this prestigious thing. And why you tune in, they don't handle the drama of the awards in a way that's compelling or captivating to watch other award shows you watch because you have those personal moments, those in, those interesting human moments of people winning and having an acceptance speech and connecting with their peers. The show doesn't do that. It shows trailers in a way that's haphazard and poorly paced. I know you have to work with what you get, but if you, you also don't have to do it, you know, it, it, it's it's a mismatch, mistone. I guess Jeff's it, never coming back on this show. <laughs> I've said it all before. I, I mean, he just, hasn't been on in three years, as far as I, I can tell. It's, I, I just don't. I don't. I don't get it, and I, I, I wish it would just. I, I wish it would just. A spade would be called a spade, and it would just be uh, winter E three, winter uh, game fest, and 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 it's just this this hypothon, you know, get together thing because. To have it be called the Game Awards and have the awards be given such a backseat and be so haphazard in how they're presented and handed out. Um, and then went, to your point about like, sorry, Lana, last thing about like, oh, well, they want it to be like bring an opportunity to make it like these grownups and have this thing. Uh, to all my dear friends who are in this business and who have given me life for so long, do you know who is not grownups? Musicians. They are not grownups. No, no rock band is a grownup. No, punk, <laughs> no pop punk band is a grownup. Do you know who has a very fun awards night where they all get together and do a thing and celebrate each other? 
musicians. <laughs> yeah, but I, and they're not throwing things off a balcony at the award show. I know, I know you have something you want to say, Lana, and I do want to get to it. I, I, I just want to speak to this because I do think that's an interesting comparison because I think the Emmys, which is, I assume, what you're comparing it to, not the video I'm sure the Grammys, yes. The yeah. Grammys. I think the Grammys are actually a really appropriate analog here. Because I think more people tune into the Grammys to watch the the performances, the equivalent of the game trailers, the stuff that happens between the awards is, oh my gosh, Beyonce is going to perform with Prince. I've never seen that before. <laughs> oh my God. You know, and, and it's like, well, what are we, are we here watching the award for best new album? Or are we here watching these performances? And I think oftentimes the answer is the latter, Right. So I think it's actually an appropriate analog. But what we I, I agree. I was going to yeah, say. Go ahead. I mean, <laughs> the next game awards they have performances. It's like what's his name? John John Carmack is going to live code. <laughs> live coding. <laughs> it's just like okay. Um, well, We're I think, checking on the Lana Bashinsky who's been animating. How's it going, Lana? Stop. I leave did me alone. live animation twice in my life, and it was. <laughs> Horrible. One was at BlizzCon <laughs> and one is for a Riot video that drops sometime in January that I filmed in April that I want to die every time I think about it. Anyway, it'd be horrible. But I know that the Game Awards, like if Jeff Keighley's like intent is like to really like uplift and celebrate video games in this way, I can see like the first couple of Game Awards, it's like, okay, put a bunch of like world premieres in there and people will tune in and then we'll also celebrate things. But maybe the Game Awards is like big enough now that those two things can start being separated a little bit and maybe we get a little bit more awards and like slightly fewer trailers is what I sort of thought maybe the trajectory would be or could be, but it does feel like it is going in the opposite direction where it's like, mm, maybe a little less awards, maybe a little bit more mm. press E3 press conference. The the part that's, that's dissonant for me. I mean, there's a lot, I, I'm not arguing that this show was a home run. I think, it, I think it had a lot of problems. It was way, way, way too long. And even, so if it long. Didn't, <laughs> even if it didn't have a lot of things that stretched it out, like Christopher Judge, it it would still have been way too long. Just with the stuff that they actually scheduled, it would have been way too long. It was just a bloated, you know, it's 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 too much. Mm-hmm. But the the big thing that's dissonant for me with regard to the trailers and such is that there are these trailers that are part of the show, and then there are trailers that are advertisements that's like, we'll be right back after this, and then which are meant to be sort of commercial breaks, but are yeah. also trailers. And then he'll, they'll, they'll come back from that. And Jeff will be like, and that was your first look at this new game. And it's like, well, but wait, is that part, was that part of the show? Or was that where I was supposed to go up and get a sandwich? You know, I don't know what's the, what's, uh, so all of that is very, uh, it's, it's difficult. And it's, it's gotta be a very difficult job. I, I don't mm-hmm. discount that, but I do think, that I had, I had a really hard time watching the show start to finish. I think it just it's just very very long, and so much of it is like what what are we doing? And Christopher Judge talked a very long time. Here's my question <laughs> to that: time. is and I'm curious for our audience too, because our audience I totally respect if they have very different views than me, and it's like they circle it on their calendar months out, and they get together with friends at this big watch party, and they love every second of it. I I totally get that, and I'm curious for those people or for our audience, maybe not to put any words in their mouth, if there is something inherently better about watching it live other than 
trying to get clout or zeitgeist by like live memeing it or, or, you know, tweeting it or chatting it, then there is just to watch the trailers later. I think that what I texted you, Jeff, is I go, I feel like I'm watching the Super Bowl, but I'm only here for the commercials. I'd be much better off not watching four hours of football and just watch the three minutes of commercials later. Yeah, but yeah. can you win a Steam Deck if you do that? <laughs> That's the worst part about this year's Game Awards is that I personally did not win the Steam Deck. <laughs> that is the, that is the, the saddest part. And Christopher just gave you so many more op- opportunities. I know, I know. I wonder if at a certain point there was somebody on the phone going like, we're not giving away this many more steam decks <laughs> sorry I, do, I just wonder like is it a better experience to to watch all of it than to read the winners uh which we'll maybe get to on this show eventually <laughs> i told you this was going to be an impossible show to finish and then just to watch the trailers about it and then just to watch the trailers i just wonder yeah how that's not a better experience. Cause it's oh. not like I was trying to think, is it like, Oh, well I watched the world cup live and whatever, whatever it's like, but there's drama of that art. And I'll watch some award shows live because I do think there's drama in those human moments and how, and what people you, win. Christian it, here. There wasn't, there wasn't that. That's wrong. It's undeniable. There was, I mean, in the same way that there's drama at the Academy Awards of like, Oh, there's going to be a moment. The, 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 the takeaway moment. I mean, I don't even want to talk about the Will Smith slap. In previous years, before back in the sane days of the world, when you know moments weren't like assault surreal and we're in a simulation, but even then, the moments of the the Academy Awards is when you know um, what's his bucket would do a one arm push up on stage, or you know like like the things people talked about were the equivalent of Al Pacino can't read the teleprompter and Christopher Judge kept talking for fifteen minutes. And that kid followed those came people on up stage. on stage. Yes. Those are, it's the same water cooler stuff. And it's the same human drama of, of, oh, what's going to happen? What are they going to say? Who's going to win? What, what weird thing are they going to do? All of that is, is I think exactly the same. Hmm. I, well, the only thing that's not exactly the same is there's so much less of it that it's, it doesn't feel like, a, I mean, there's, yes, yeah, but there's like five you, words. Do you, think- you want to watch? Do you, you want to watch the Academy Awards? Are you wa- watching for the, you know, best editor to get on stage and thank the four hundred people you've never heard of? You know what I mean? Well, but, but- well, I think your example of like watching FIFA or something is a great example because that I think I think the show was too long. It was by the end of it, I was like, oh, okay, chop chop. But we had like a, having like a casual watching it live with friends where it's like kind of like you're watching it, but it's also you're talking. Like, I'm not, like, listening to the announcers while watching FIFA. I'm, mm. like, enjoying my friends, having a drink, watching the thing out of the corner of my eye. Oh, this thing won. That's great. Exciting. It's a focal point, but it is not the only thing I'm doing. We had, like, the watch party with work, but we also had, like, bingo cards of, like, like <laughs> typically silly things that happen at the Game Awards. Bill Clinton like- gets mentioned. <laughs> Esports is spelled in- incorrectly on screen. Like, <laughs> or like, and then like the winner like wins like a headset or something. It was like an exciting dumb little thing that we did at work that made like the, those human drama moments and like the, the the silly in between things be more the stuff we cared about and not other things. So I think there's a way that people could do yeah. that, but because the award show is like so off balance as compared to like the world premieres, um, there's like not enough of it. 
to feel and, like it's a satisfying experience. I, well, I have a feeling that people who are listening to this podcast are in the same boat. They're like, there's not enough of the talking about the world premieres. <laughs> I, I, I like the context. I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I enjoy this stuff. I think you mentioned the Academy Awards, Jeff. And I think the reason that their viewership keeps declining is because that used to be a popular show because it gave us access to celebrity. Yeah. But we have unfettered access to almost every celebrity all the time now. So yeah. they did a one-arm push-up. Cool. Well, did you see their TikTok from yesterday where they right. did? Because it's just... It's just a totally different thing. So is it the most creative, entertaining, sh- but you know, your point of like, would you be entertained if you watch the best editor of this, that, and the other, and the Academy Awards that you're going for? Well, it's like, well, if I wanted to be entertained, I'd go watch Succession, you know, <laughs> we get to that point of it, right. like time value. How do I want to be most entertained? No, it's not watching any awards show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, All right. well, we've indicted the entire concept of awards yet again on the DLC podcast. So uh, let, let's talk about the stuff that that people are uh, taking away from the show uh, other than the show itself. And yeah, that I, is the the sweet uh, sclusies, all the world premieres. If we could just put them on the screen and I'll just highlight the ones I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. right. They're on the screen, on. Man, You can't see what I see. Oh, okay. You can't see the, the video games. version. We could just highlight them and then. There, I'm scrolling story. through them very quickly right now on this article. <laughs> The people watching the vibe earlier and- today at the uh, dinner ceremony, we uh, <laughs> awarded our favorite new release. Our favorite oh, world gosh. premiere. Actually, no, I'm curious, Lana. Yeah. Um, do you have two or three um, trailers or, or or things that you're excited about? It is a pack. I'll tell you what. It is a packed June. It's it's, a- if, if, that's my takeaway from the the Game Awards. Is June is going to be packed with games. Uh, there's a, a lot of like really amazing things that I'm excited for. So, and some that we just want to talk about. So the ones I, there's one in particular that I think stand out, uh, from anything else. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it right now because I don't think you guys have heard of it. It's Hades 2. Not clear on that one. Christian, uh, does that ring a really... bell? Hades? Um, I mean... Oh, T-O-O. Like, I remember a game, Ares. So this is like Hades 2. I get it. Man, that makes sense. But there, yeah. it couldn't be like T-W-O, because I don't think there's ever been a Hades 1 that I'm aware of. Never yeah, heard of it. it's like super forgettable. It's totally understandable that you wouldn't know or care about it. Uh, but I, I mean, wildly... I only like games that have Greek gods and hot abs. So if there's like <laughs> one of those, I'm like, I know it, but this doesn't strike a... I'm uh-huh. personally very big into dichromia. So anything with like... <laughs> Just two different colored eyeballs. I'm like, that's my stuff. I do think um, it's cool that that uh, Supergiant is doing a, a full on sequel. I just wish it was first for Bastion. Sequel, I think. Really? <laughs> I wish I loved Bastion. But you I mean, I'm look- very excited for Hades too. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But uh, I was like, oh, sequels on the table, Supergiant. Can we talk about Bastion, please? <laughs> um, I'm super excited about Hades. I played uh, a ton, a ton, a ton of the first one. I'm can't wait for the second oh, the art looks beautiful hearing just the music again it's just like oh yeah darren korb i think is the uh um the audio guy's name at super giant i just love their work i just really yeah. beautiful i can't wait um the <laughs> crash team rumble is that a is that a crash bandicoot moba yeah bro because yeah you things that are super hot right now <laughs> mobas and crash Bandicoot. Well, let me tell you, 
you know, they really pulled the heroes of the storm on that one because they already have a CTR. It's called Crash Team Racing. And now they have Crash Team Rumble. Get real. But the acronyms, you know, people are going to make an acronym. Why name it the same acronym? I will definitely play Crash Team Rumble. I love, I mean, Crash Bandicoot was one of the first video games I remember playing when I was a kid. And so, and I played Crash Team Racing. I played all the Crash Bandicoots. So stupid. Um, <laughs> But I'll definitely play the Crash MOBA because just what a strange thing that they have chosen to do. And I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Christian, Um, do you have like a couple that you want to start the conversation off with? Can I say one more? Oh, sorry. Lana, one more. Oh, sorry. I have a bunch more that I'm like authentically very excited about. But the other thing I wanted to touch on was the trans, like the super gritty, dark Transformers trailer. Yeah. It's like yeah. this like dark tone at the end. It's like Bumblebee's hands from first person camera. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Why would this be the tone that I would want from a Transformers anything? <laughs> it's very, it's, very wait, strange choice. This is, wait, what is it called? I gotta get the oh, exact I don't know. Title. I just put Transformers on there because it wasn't on the list. Yeah, no, they were right, like crying, laughing when it was Bumblebee's Transformers hit. reactivate is what oh, it's called. Come on, it's yeah. so funny. They've um, been trying to make us sad about Bumblebee dying for like a good ten <laughs> years now. Ten? <laughs> didn't they, didn't the original cartoon have him die in some way? Oh no, my god! I don't think Bumblebee ever died in the OG. Maybe, no, no, but it's that like was Optimus. I'm thinking Optimus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like since like the the Michael Bay reboots, they like tried to make Bumblebee the one that the kids would like. And then they yeah. keep trying to kill him and like really rip our True. hearts out. <laughs> it's just so, so ridiculous. Like, well, all I want from a Transformers game is like maybe even a little campy, like, let's go. And then you're like a robot fighting things and transforming. Like, it looks something fun and cool and not like, bumble me. Well, we got that. You. We already got that '80s version, right? That '80s, the game that's based on the '80s Transformers. That was that's the one. I know. I see this developer on the Twitter doing like a personal Transformers project that looks amazing, and I'm like, give me that game. It's I like just there's want still the Transformers toys. game that gives me a stepped down acoustic version of a sad song on the trailer. That's all I need. <laughs> like me- sad wor- Mad World. Uh, you know, give me Mad World again. <laughs> Uh, Bumblebee's playing that through his radio, like Michael Bay's version. <laughs> yeah, but then it's like cutting out because his vocal cords have been ripped out, <laughs> like your childhood. Oh my gosh! Anyway, I'm right. right. thinking about way more than that. But well, we get, we'll we'll loop around. We're, we're we're just getting started. Christian, what uh, what do you like? What do you see? What do you what what are you intrigued by? I mean, uh, two that I will bring up. Oh, three. I lied. There's eh, uh, okay. Three. I lied. I'm gonna do three. Uh Earthblade, number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured that would be um, your number one. That's the, yeah. the one from Extremely the okay Celeste game. people. Yeah. Yep, they made Celeste. <laughs> and this looks kind of like Celeste again, but also we all played um, Hollow Knight also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's a little more combat now, a little like slicey slicey, a little blading perhaps. Um, I was super into that. And then it said 2024. And I was like, well, I'm going to forget about that uh, for a long time. <laughs> I think that was the only game, unless I'm wrong, that was the only game that had a date that was not in 2023, right? I mean, we all that know aren't 2023. <laughs> I know there's a lot of games that probably won't make their dates, but it was the only one that was like, we're going to be honest, it's not coming out the next it's year. Not coming out. <laughs> they look great. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Um, in that same vein, Nia, Dead Cells, uh, X Castlevania, Dead Cells Return to Castlevania. Dead Cells is a game that has just 
put out such generous and amazing DLC over its forever that it's been out. And I don't know how Konami was like, yeah, get this. Sure. I, I'm not, And I don't know much about it, right? We didn't see like how in depth it would be or how much it would be, but it's a perfect pairing. And if there's a game that can make Castlevania, you know, kind of hip or relevant again, um, I think Dead Cells is a great way to do that. I love that game. It's so. It's also uh, uh, if you are an Apple One or an Apple Arcade subscriber, the iOS version of Dead Cells is now part of Apple Arcade. It supports a controller. It's a fantastic version of the game to play uh, via Apple Arcade. And then the last one that I'll mention, and mostly because I'm just disappointed that friend of the show didn't give us any exclusives of it. <laughs> Getting to see Star Wars Jedi Survivor yeah. for the first time. Thanks a lot, Danish. Wait, making yeah. me wait for the Game Awards to see it. <laughs> Man, it looks. They didn't show the map. I'll say that they did not show the map. <laughs> <laughs> but what they showed looked so good. It yeah. looked, and it's March. I know. March. Soon. Unbelievable. Uh, right yeah. before GDC. Very yep. rude. It's uh, it's crazy how front loaded the uh, this the early part of the you know first six months of the year are with these crazy like what you would assume to be end of year release games are, you know, they still might be. They're giving themselves the buffer so that they can true. keep the twenty twenty three. Certainly true. I should not get ahead of myself. Yeah. Um. Yes. Uh, Jedi Survivor looks uh so good. Um. I will uh, I will mention a few uh, the the one that I um, was most excited to see was Judas, which is the new Ken Levine game. Uh, I I still think just Bioshock a funny is... sentence. The person I was most excited to see was Judas. Yeah, <laughs> turned out stabbed me right in the back. Um, <laughs> but the um, I, I love I love Bioshock. I think Bioshock is still one of the greatest uh, games of all time. Um, certainly in that pantheon. Uh, I just wish this didn't look quite so much like Bioshock. I feel like this this game has been in, in development for five years, and then it comes and, and then it's like, well, it's, it's like Bioshock, and I was like, but didn't you already figure out that one? Didn't you already figure out how to make that? Can it be a little? Does not it doesn't have to look exactly like Bioshock. I mean, I'm excited. I love Bioshock. And I love Ken Levine, and I'm sure this game is going to be really fascinating and will kind of work on multiple levels. And it seems like the fiction is really dense and interesting, but also really looks like Bioshock. <laughs> no, am I crazy? They've been working on this. They have been working on this the whole time. I know he's been really busy <laughs> working on the the Vita port of Bioshock. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even get that out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks it looks really interesting. It looks cool, really good. Man, it looks like Bioshock. It's uh, it's like oh, I really thought he was reinventing himself over these years, and maybe not. I don't know. But it might. But that's a thing. Like Bioshock, and I think Infinite falls flat on its second half, or maybe the first third is the best, and then it kind of falls flat. But bioshock and the dlc which i guess maybe he didn't work on for bioshock 2 and i think the conceit of bioshock infinite are so fascinating that if it really did take this long to come up with something super interesting and a new because i think people forget like oh infinite folds back into the og to the this and you have the dlc to infinite that ties it in even further and like it is a complete science fiction world in a way that's where it's not lost right it's not like ken levine like has all these hints and at the end is like Oh crap! <laughs> right. What were we doing again? <laughs> so if Judas is that, but it also has one hand powers, one hand gun, I bet it's going to be 
really top tier um, yes. story. Very much looking forward to it. Very much looking. Uh, what is your What's your take on that one, Lana? I thought it looks good. I uh, unfortunately, Bioshock is another one of like of the era of my life. I just I haven't played yeah. these games. Bioshock falls within that. So for me, I'm like, looks interesting. You're like, it looks just like this other thing. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, looks looks good. That was about my only thought for it. Was cool. I'm uh, very excited about the announcement of uh, DLC for Horizon Forbidden West, mm-hmm. which is a game I thoroughly enjoyed, and it I love. Spoilers for Horizon Forbidden West. N- not any story spoilers, but you do get to fly very close to the end of that game. And it, I love that it's. it looks like this DLC is like, okay, cool. You, we, you got that at the end. We're going to actually use it through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Um, and it's cool. It takes place in LA, a place that I know very, very well. So yeah. I Did think you it'll know- be fun. As soon as it was like that Capitol Records building, I was like, yeah. oh, it's in LA. And yeah. he was like, I don't know about that. And I was like, come on, come on. I think it looks it's rad. I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited too. Um, and especially because, I mean, I didn't love the the Frozen whatever DLC for frozen the first wastes, game. Frozen I think it was called. Frozen Wastes. Yeah, frozen. Um, yeah. But like just based upon how yeah. much better their side quest like structure was, like I don't know what goes into the DLC or how in like how broad it's going to be. But mm. I always think of it as kind of like a little bit more story and a bunch more side questy type things. But because the side quests were so compelling in Forbidden whatever West. this was called, Forbidden yeah. West, um, I'm like, I think this could be, I have really high hopes for it. Really high yeah. hopes. Yeah, I do too. I think so. And it's uh, April, yeah. uh, end of April. It's amazing. Um, and um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about, uh, What's the other one that really? I mean, I thought that Hellboy game looked really interesting, just because it's yeah. like the Mike Mignola art style done as a video game. I thought that was really kind of killer. Yeah. Um, did not expect to see that. Um, the other big surprises were uh, Death Stranding Two. We knew that it was in development; had been leaked by a lot of the voice actors, but um, it looks, <laughs> you know, typically Kojima crazy, uh, which I guess is good. I- I'd love to know if the gameplay is going to be the same. You know, is he doing more taking parcels from one place to another or is there going to be more shooting, which it kind of feels like he was Kojima was kind of moving toward the shooting as as more versions of Death Stranding came out as like more shooting. Let's get more shooting in there, which I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm excited about that. Um, well, maybe now he has figured out the delivering and maybe now he's like the CEO of a delivery company. That'd be good. And he like sells college kids books cheaper than what they yeah. can get them at their local store and it's like that side of yeah. logistics and shipping it's actually like a spreadsheet you... simulator you're like okay here's all my guys where are you going and you're just <laughs> that does sound fun <laughs> norman reedus as guy at the computer bah, bah, bah. <laughs> but then still some other character walks in with like a butt for a face and you're like classic kojima game <laughs> What is that? What's that packing and shipping game that came out last year that I, I played a bunch of? Uh, I think it's the W. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's a game. It was pretty fun. Uh, I thought uh, I thought that Dune Awakening uh, game, which is a, supposedly going to be a, a like an MMO, and that looked beautiful. The in engine thing. It's going to be an MMO, as though like you know, WoW's an MMO. But I've heard some people say, oh, you know, uh, 
League of Legends is an MMO because many people play it online. Mm. It's like, okay, but only 10. So yeah, I'm wondering more what like, they mean by MMO. It may be more like a Destiny type experience, yeah. I think. It might mm-hmm. like a hub. The hub is an MMO and the game mm-hmm. is not. I don't know. If we it's like, a, like an MMO, like, like, wow, I'm like, oh, wonderful game that I will play two hours of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start describing Slack as an MMO. <laughs> it is. You always lose, though, sadly. Um, the, let me list off the games that are coming out right back to back from each other. Okay, Suicide Squad killed Justice League May 26th. Hmm. Street Fighter 8, June 2nd. Diablo 4, June 6th. Hmm. Uh, what is the other? There's another. Oh, a Final Fantasy 16. I don't, uh, June, I don't know if we got an exact date in June, but June, that's a lot of really big games. Oh, and uh, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor had just come out in March uh, in this world. Uh, so we got like three weeks of the, some of the, and I think, I think uh, Starfield is in there somewhere in that time period, right? Do we have a, a date on Starfield? It just feels like this, this whole, June used to be when no games came out. <laughs> Or a game would come out and it was being put out to die on E3 week. Yeah, you know it was like, oh, they're they're not proud of that. They're gonna bury that while everybody's at E3. And this year, it it's gonna it's gonna like, don't come to E3 because you're still trying to review Starfield. Are these games coming out in June? Do you think they will at all be tied to like you know they're announcing the Game Awards now? They'll be part of Summer Games Fest and they're releasing in this time because Keeley's got a possible thing. I don't know. It's possible. I'd be surprised if, you know, Diablo and Street Fighter are that. Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, Street Fighter might be. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, it does It does seem pretty wild. Um, I am so not excited by that Final Fantasy 16 trailer. I like, if you showed me that and you asked me what game it was, I would be like, I don't know. <laughs> JRPG of some kind? I don't, it just looks so like everything else to me. I don't know. Am I crazy? Does it look distinct and interesting to you guys? I'm like not a Final Fantasy fan, but I've never been like a huge fan of the designs of certain characters that seem to be very. I've always been like, uh, Ifrit looks stupid. But everybody I know is like, oh, Ifrit, they have like tattoos of Ifrit. And I'm like, oh, so sick, bro. But I just am like, ah, he looks lame. (laughs) So the fact that he's like, Ifrit, help me, or like whatever's happening in the trailer, like, ah, that guy, get him out of (laughs) here. The other, I think the, oh, I ahead, think the pedigree's there, and I don't think yeah. it was the strongest trailer, but I, I think for fans of the franchise, and especially fans for what Final Fantasy 16 looks to be putting down, I think it is going to be oh catnip. No doubt, no doubt. People, the Final Fantasy fans are going to love it. I just I look at that and I don't. I go, it's that is that is preaching to the choir. I don't feel like there's anything in that that is, you know conveying to a new audience what's special mm-hmm. about this franchise, but maybe I'm crazy. But um, uh, the Bayonetta, on the other hand, the, like, completely different art style, yeah. which, like, in cool, the face right? of, like, not the most ideal um, uh, sort of reviews or vibes from Bayonetta 3 that just came out, like, cool to, like, immediately be like, okay, you didn't love that. Do you love this? They're babies now or whatever. It's just, like, I love when a game explores a new art style and, and especially one that is so different from what they're used to. It's just very cool. Yeah. Um, the, other, the other one that's baffling to me is Armored Core 6. 
I mean, I understand that From Software is now a name in and of itself. It's like, you know, Marvel Studios or, you know, the, or Lucasfilm or, or some, the, the, per, the production studio itself is going to garner attention. And that, that name above all is what they're selling in that trailer. But like turning Armored Core, which was like a middling franchise 10 years ago, like the last entry came out in 2012, I think, 10 years ago. And it wasn't great. It was like a, a, a multiplayer kind of bad mech sh- shootery game. It, it, I, hey, I'm sure I'll get emails from people that love Armored Core franchise. But I, it's, it's crazy to me that it, the trailer was revealed with such reverence, like it was... Like they were showing the, you know, the next entry in the Elder Scrolls fresh or something. It was like, anyway. Well, I'll, I maybe <laughs> will save it. you one email. It's their franchise. I know. So I think I that's, what, I mean, it's not as if they put From Software on, it's not like now From Software is making it. It's. But it's like, this, is it going to be, it's, maybe it <laughs> is. Maybe they're going to make a Souls-like out of Armored Core. But it feels like, well, the reason you get excited about From Software as the logo that comes up is because you like these other kinds of games that they make now. But this is the the franchise that they used to make when the games they made weren't that good. (laughs) I don't know. The trailer Uh, is so beautiful, though. It it did look impressive. And maybe it'll be amazing, but it was just like... Armored course. We've been waiting for no one's been waiting for this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the Armored Core 5 landed like a thud on the original Xbox, I think. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Our Xbox 360, maybe it was? I don't know. Anyway. I mean, I if it landed on the original that. Xbox, the original Xbox would have landed on it with a thud. Hey-o. That's not uh... <laughs> I need more than an armored core, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. The original Xbox was big. It was. <laughs> I thought. Been... Sorry, go ahead, Lana. I was going to say something stupid, so go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm I'm constantly saying something stupid. So better you than me. I'm going to say that what you've all been waiting for: Crash Bandicoot Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is the moment. I thought overall, uh, if you just look at the trailers that, and the announcements, it was a it was a pretty strong showing of exciting stuff. And I especially liked that a lot of the focus was on dates, you know, on on like, hey, these games are coming, and and they're coming in 2023, and they're coming not in the fall of 2023. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of stuff that has gone kind of radio silent for a while, and now is like, hey, we're we're coming relatively soon. It, get excited about next year because next year is going to be pretty big, and I I really do think it's going to be pretty big. It was like 75 percent fewer space horror games. So feeling a lot fewer space horror. Although good. they did have new scars space Marine. above Space Marine Two. Oh, that's yeah. the first Space Marine is pretty good. That Warhammer Forty K Space was Marine was good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Over underrated. Was game. good. And it's it Elba's in Cyberpunk. Oh my god! I, I there's so much I want to talk about. But I won't. But wild to me yeah was that partnership signed before cyberpunk launched or cyber there there gotta be or they just backed the dump truck up to his house and were like you can do like four sessions in the voyo booth (laughs) they were like look uh, i don't know how to tell you this i don't i don't know how to tell you this but uh look we got al pacino to do the game (laughs) (laughs) we can kind of get you to do it keanu are you are you better than keanu are you going to turn it down when keanu didn't and he just was like i guess we all 
We all saw you host that Ford Maki unveiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know your dad, a Ford guy. We know your connection, but this is a Ford dump truck full of money. <laughs> all right. That was Lana's story of the week. <laughs> Christian Spicer. <laughs> I told you we have too much show this week. Well, it's too much for any one man to handle, and I'm only one man. Sure, I have two other people here, another man and a woman. That doesn't help me. I am um, but one man. We're an hour in, and I know all the images I pulled for games that we've been playing, and uh, we we're already an hour in. We're already an hour in. Um, I think the biggest story, uh, legitimately, mm-hmm. the biggest story this week is the Xbox Activision Will they? Won't they? Incredible um, mm-hmm. rom com. It feels like it's a Hallmark Channel you know, <laughs> original movie this year, um, where the FTC new FTC boss uh, is coming in hot, taking some swings and saying, "You shall not pass," um, and put their big Gandalf uh, Lord of the Rings spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Lost control of this entire proceeding. <laughs> You haven't read that book yet. <laughs> Come on. Okay, so the FTC. $69 billion deal. Microsoft to acquire. FTC is suing to Activision stop it. Blizzard, yes. And the the I think the super interesting part that came after came out after this the FTC saying, hey, we're not gonna let it happen, is part of part of part of the basis for which they are premising this lawsuit on is the idea that Microsoft did not make good on their promises to the European Trade Commission um, when they acquired the Bethesda, Zenimax, everythings. And they said, oh, they said that they were going to do all this stuff then, and they didn't, so we can't trust them to do anything now that they say they're going to do. And then a day later, I think it came out, and the European Trade Commission, I think, was the one who ultimately said it. And they were like, no, Microsoft, <laughs> Microsoft never said they were going to do any of that stuff back then. And now the FTC's released argument seems uh fairly wet if this is uh, this is what blowing my mind about this because this is a massive massive thing the ftc is like no we're suing you we're gonna stop this we think it we suing you means we think this is illegal what you want to do well it's a uh, no it's it's anti-competitive and this is how we're going to stop it like uh, right that's well, okay. You are illegally monopolizing the whatever. The point is, they literally hinge their entire argument on you said you were not going to make those sweet, sweet Bethesda games exclusives, and then you made them exclusives. And the European Trade Commission is like, yeah, no, they never said they were going to make them exclusives. And it's like, well, then what does that mean? Uh, Christian, you got to guide me through this, buddy, because. I don't have the legal uh, anything to to make heads or tails of this. It seems like how how can the FTC like literally put all their cards on the table and say, we're stopping this and here's why, when the why seems to be wrong. How is that a thing? I, I I think a first year attorney had a real bad day, Jeff. I think is the, way I, the best way I can walk you through. It. I mean, it it is it is staggering. Again, we're getting all of this information. Uh, you know, we're, none of us are in the decision in the room where it happens. Uh, Hamilton spoilers. Um, oh my god! 
<laughs> one of the most impactful stories of the um, year. Um, this is what we're, how we're treating it. I, I find it, it does seem shocking. Like the FTC and the, the the new head of the FTC is a heck of a credentialed human being who knows what they are doing. Um, and to see this happen the way it happened, of uh, we're doing it, here's a, not the only reason, but a big part of our reasoning being, you know, we can't trust them to live up to their word. And then having the European Commission come out and say, oh, uh, well, actually, um, they just said they'd talk about it. Like Microsoft, I think give assurances is overstating it, right? Like Microsoft didn't say we won't. It was kind of like, hey, we're going to we're going to play it by ear and we have interest. It's in our interest to make all the money, <laughs> you know, so like I'm sure we will release games on other platforms, not just ours. And we'll see as it happens. And to that extent, they had, right? Like there are some Bethesda games that are still on uh, PlayStation. There are several that are going to come out day day and date on PC. Um, But the way the FTC worded it, it sounds like this real, we gotcha, here's the smoking gun. You said you were going to do this and you didn't do it. And this is going to be a big part of our argument. And it just does not seem to be the case. And that on top of everything else that we've talked about before on this show of, you know, I, I don't know how you look at the gaming industry and say that as much as I don't like, you know, big getting bigger, but there's so much competition in games. Um, yeah. And especially in the software side of things that I, I'm not saying it's good for the industry to have these two merge, but I don't think it's at a monopoly level when there are so many, I mean, you can point to Valheim, <laughs> you know, as made by like 10 people and made all the monies or PUBG or any Nintendo game or God of War. It's it's hard. So I am I was shocked, legitimately shocked that the FTC is bringing the suit. Other than the fact that that you know the new head of the FTC and their current stance is to be tougher on um, monopolistic practices, and it hadn't done that for a very long time. And it, this seems like a heck of a way to come out of the gate. So maybe I'm just completely tainted by American politics at this point. But like reading something like this, where it's like, we caught you, You, you're you're in trouble. It's not going through. And the people are like, well, that's just wrong. To me, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That's what people do now. (laughs) They're like, here's a thing that's a lie, but will you do your research? That's Canadian Lana's uh, thoughts on America is like, that's that's what (laughs) idiot Americans do all the time, right? Is they start with a lie and then see who actually cares and maybe they'll just make money and it'll be fine. Uh, Christian, do you think this deal still happens? I do. I, I, I truly do think it still happens. I mean, especially after that, like I wasn't keeping my finger on the pulse of what Microsoft had told the European commission before and whether or not it was accurate or inaccurate what the FTC was alleging. When I read the FTC's, you know, public issued complaint, I was like, I took, take this as truth on its face. Um, but even with that, I think this goes through. I, I, I just don't know what the case is that maybe there is some specific part of it that makes it uh, a bigger monopoly. But when you look at the consolidation that's been allowed to happen in other spaces, I, I don't I don't see how you win this. And it's, and it's such a big buy for Microsoft as well, right? If it were a smaller thing, like if the FTC came out guns blazing to prevent Sony from buying Bungie, I could see maybe being like, hey, this isn't worth it. But when you're almost 70 bill on the table for this, 
you're gonna you're gonna go through with it. And I, I truly think it will happen. It just will take a little longer now. So what happens now is that the the Federal Trade Commission has to make a case in front of a judge, right? And their case is based on their statement of, of which we know to be factually flawed in, in, in at least one way. So they, but they have to make a case in front of a judge and then the judge will rule whether or not this merger can go through and that's, that's it or how does that, and then that can go to appeal or how does that work, you know? I don't know the specifics. Um, you know, it's, I would need to, before I speak out of my butt the way the FTC apparently did, I, I'm not sure who has the burden of proof. I do believe it is the FTC in this instance as they are the one bringing the claim that is their burden to prove how this is anti-competitive. But I'm not sure. Government entities filing suit is always a little different. I was a commercial litigator between private practice, so I will do my best to not be the FTC and stay in my lane. <laughs> right. But But structurally... That makes sense. It, they have to make their case in front of a judge and then just judge either approves or denies the merger. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be one side. You, you, have, a, you have a lawsuit, right? So both yeah. sides are able to present evidence, they're able to bring expert witnesses, they're able to prove their case. And then depending on who has the burden of proof and what preponderance of proof is required to have this thing happen or not, you'll get a ruling. Um, this is the, the craziest thing. And again, a lot of games coming out in June – this was also going to be happening in June 2023. This was going to be the merger that happens in June. Uh, and, you know, we didn't even get to, the week was so packed with news. The beginning of the week was Microsoft saying, we vow to put Call of Duty on Nintendo consoles for 10 years in order to get this deal done. I don't know what, I mean, that, that was contingent upon the deal being done, obviously, because Microsoft wouldn't have control over Call of Duty if it didn't. But... That's the extent to which, I mean, Microsoft must have been sniffing some some of this because why do you make that statement? Hey, we're still going to give Call of Duty to all these other consoles. It's just absolutely wild to me how this is all playing out. It just feels un, untethered to any kind of notion of reality. Uh, and again, Len is right. Just the world these days, I guess. But man, I don't get it. I'm very, I'm much more uh, engaged with this. I thought this was like a no brainer. It was going to happen. It was all, it was just going to be like, oh, it's going to be interesting to see how Microsoft handles the Activision and Blizzard titles. But this layer, now I'm I'm sitting up and taking notice to how all of this happens and how it all works. Cause it just, I mean, it's just wild. If you want to see examples of it falling apart, cause I was going to say, you know, Microsoft has very smart attorneys on their side as well as the FTC has very smart attorneys on their side. But you would think that Microsoft and Activision, all their smart attorneys got together and, and you know, went through a couple of scenarios yeah. <laughs> to yeah. make sure that this was going to be a thing that they think is going to happen. Um, and then it's, 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 you know, it hasn't blown up yet, but they're hitting a lot of roadblocks. But I would say the same thing about NVIDIA Roadblock. and ARM. Very, very <laughs> NVIDIA and ARM, very smart attorneys on both sides, and they got to an understanding where they thought this thing was going to happen. And that was the European Commission that stood in and finally blew that one up. Yeah. So I think if you right. want to look for an anatomy of uh, of murder and understand how these things can fall apart when clearly the side, the parties involved didn't think that was going to happen, I guess that'd be the most recent case study for what proving a monopoly would be within a smaller subset of the tech space. Yeah. Um, instead of a larger thing of like device or whatever, you know, NVIDIA was trying to argue at the time. Is Bobby stepping down contingent on this 
happening. He's gone no, no matter what. We don't know anything about the fate of Bobby. Mm. Uh, the, the, they, Microsoft has been mum on that. All that they've said is that we're sticking with him until this, you know. So who knows? Who knows? He's he's certainly spoken out. He made a comment about this uh, this story because you know he's still the guy in charge. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can find his. Uh, where's his story? Uh, his uh, his comment. Oh, here's here it is. Uh, quote, the allegation of this deal is anti-competitive, doesn't align with the facts, and we believe we'll win this challenge, Kodak stated. The competitive landscape is shifting, and simply put, a combined Microsoft ABK will be good for players, good for employees, good for competition, and good for the industry. And very good for my golden parachute. <laughs> I know that I basically just said that same thing, but now knowing that that's what Bobby said, I feel like we're both wrong. Yeah, it's a terrible <laughs> thing. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, gosh it's a terrible thing but it's All interesting right. it's a fa- it is a fascinating story um that keeps getting more fascinating as time goes on and we'll keep following it we'll keep following it all right uh let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment that we call the playlist Lana, what have you been playing this week? Um, this week, I mean, primarily God of War Ragnarok has has taken over my life. Um, I basically, you know, spent some time to get married, and then we had like a little mini moon where we were like four days where it's like, oh, should we go on like a vacation? No, we're sitting on the couch, we're playing God of War Ragnarok. That's our whole plans. Aww. Um, oh, so romantic gamers. Um, it's been Super fun. Really, well, yeah. Still love the combat. I still love the combat. Um, I haven't listened to your spoiler cast of it yet, so I'm sure you talk very thoroughly about the narrative experience. Um, uh, And actually, I haven't listened to any of the talking of God of War on DLC. Every time I've listened to an episode, I've just been like, yeah, I'll find where you're not talking about it and I'll tune in. Um, So are you not going to listen to this episode then? (laughs) um i (laughs) uh getting you're getting me tonight um it's i don't i don't love the story as much as the first one feels uh less focused in a specific Mm. way where you know i don't want to do any spoilers but it took me like a good amount of time of playing through the game until there was finally something that was like a hook of like, oh, right, that's why we're doing this and what we mm. care about. And maybe uh, I watched like the replay that plays at the beginning of the game before you dive back in that has sort of like the here's all the information from the first game. Yeah, not maybe, great, I, I think. Not great, that, it was that not, recap. Yeah. I mean, it reminded me of like one specific detail that I was like, oh, right, yeah. right, right. That one detail was like the only thing that stuck to me. And but for like, what felt like a couple of hours of playing the game. It was like, I remember the combat. This is really fun, but I don't know what we're doing or why I care. Mm. And the only other thing that stuck out to me is like the actual tone of the writing feels so dramatically different. Um, everything feels like a little bit more contemporary in a particular way. There's a lot more cursing, uh, which I'm not like, like personally offended by, but it sort of takes me out of it when every character is using like sassy curse words to like 
curse out Odin at any particular moment where I'm like, really? I don't remember the first game. I think both of you have played it more recently than I have. I just don't remember anybody saying certain words that much. And every single time well, it happens, I was like, but only like Brock did it, right? The dwarf well, there was guy? that moment. There was that moment where um, Brock uh, turned to Kratos and was like, okay, boomer. I remember that. Um, no. <laughs> no. Christian had his Wheaties today. I don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> it's just like there's like a couple things that they say where it's like a little bit like sassy memory. And I feel like I could feel they have that the new writer or like one of the writers came over from Borderlands. And there's like a big Borderlands energy to hmm. some of the sassy writing. Um, That maybe I just have like stars in my eyes still from the first game. Because it felt so special in a particular way. And this one doesn't feel quite as special, but still super fun, very compelling. I'm not quite done yet. But how far into you are you guys close to the end, do you feel like? Or we've been doing we haven't been like straight shot narrative. We've been doing like yeah. every little side quest. So I don't actually have that good of a gauge. But I if I had to guess, I'm gonna say eighty percent. Okay. All right. So you've so, seen a fair amount of the story. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh the things I really like about it. I think some of the casting is really cool. The portrayal of Odin in general, I uh, think, is awesome. so outside the box and interesting. I love mm-hmm. it. I love. I would never think of that actor to play that part, and yet it feels so right. Or in that way, like I don't know yeah. how much to say. That's like a spoiler. The fact that he's in the game is not like a spoiler, right? Right. But like the way he's portrayed, if you if you're like me, hopefully you're just skipping this section where it's like a little bit of like I'm your friend. Am I your friend? Mob boss energy. Oh, totally. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I, I think it's consistent with the way those gods were characterized, you know, originally in the sense that they were, it was a big soap opera and they, and they were, and they, the, the, the badness of them or the, their, their, their um, negative qualities were wrapped in this charisma that they all had. Right? Yeah. They were all, you know, silver tongued and, and seducers. Petty. <laughs> Right, the, the whole idea of yeah. Odin is that he seduced, you know, all these different other gods and made other gods, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I just think it's so such an interesting way to convey those people. It's, it, I just never, obviously, there's so many versions of them through time, yeah. And th- how this game has carved out its own unique take is is pretty cool. I think. Yeah, love it. Uh, yeah. There's, I would say, there's, I overwhelmingly enjoy it. With like little things where I'm like, ah, I just wish I think I could have sanded that edge down just a little mm. bit. Okay. Um, uh, but, but enjoying it. Uh, I won't t- talk about these next two games very much because I've talked about them on, on paid DLC, but also in general, the Fortnite update, new season, so beautiful, very fun still. Um, uh, <laughs> I always feel so, I can't believe I'm like such a, a Fortnite. Fortnite head now, but I really do enjoy the game. The no build mode is just so good. It's so good. Um, and then I've been playing a bunch of Overwatch 2, which I have been uh, enjoying, but not <laughs> loving. <laughs> uh, they just launched a new character that's just kind of like the opposite of Zenyatta in a way where he's got like his alt is like a big field around him. I don't even know his name. It's like Ratatat or something. <laughs> I don't remember. I call him the rat man because his name has a rat in it. I don't know. Uh, It's got like a big field around him that does like damages and buffs people. But it's definitely still a fun game to like pop in that I truly don't care about. Like while I'm playing it, I'm never going to play ranked mode in the game. It's just like a good 
let's just hang out and shoot some rockets or whatever for a night. Um, Ramatra is the name of the character. Ramatra. It's not even rat. <laughs> Ramatra. <laughs> um, and then the other game that I've tried out recently is called Lost in Play. Have either of you played this game? I have not. Nope. Uh, so I tried it out to check out the animation in it. It is a 2D sort of side-scrolling uh, little adventure game where you play as two siblings and it sort of fades in and out between your experiences in the real world and then it, like your imagination. And so anything that's like otherworldly is very clearly, oh, this is your the kid's imagination they're playing and this is what they're imagining while they're doing it. And you're mm. out in the world and then you have to get home. That's really it. It's a pretty short game. I think it's like four hours. Um, I probably played three and a half. Like I have a little bit left in the game. And I'd say overall, it's a a, a great game to play probably like with kids. But it, you're doing a lot of puzzles. And the puzzles are actually like surprisingly challenging a bunch of the time. And interesting and, and different. It kind of gives me like it takes two vibes by way of like, here's something that's like interesting for me to try and solve. It doesn't take too much of my brain power. But there's been a couple puzzles where I'm like, hey, Jeff, get in here. I cannot. I don't I don't know. What do you think? And so I have enjoyed the experience. There's lots of little bespoke animations and the art style is very cute. Um, and overall, like thematically, very sweet. There's like, a couple little sort of input things where it's a little bit laborious. Like if you want to use an item that you found, you always have to like, anytime you try and use it, you have to open your inventory and select it and try and use it. And then if you did it wrong, you have to do it again, open your inventory, select it. So it's a little bit tedious in certain ways, but overall really, really enjoying it. It's called Lost in Play. I'm looking at it on Steam right now and and it I do... I'm quite taken by the art style. It looks like a like a Nickelodeon TV show from the '90s. Yeah, yeah. A cartoon, you know, cartoon show, not TV show, but cartoon. Yeah. Um, and uh, really, it's uh, twenty bucks on Steam. Overwhelmingly positive reviews came out in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I had not heard of this game. Lost in yeah. play. And cool. Lots of lots of different puzzles. Like some of them are like. Like in order to get an item that you need to continue your adventure, you'll like go up to like a little goblin and he's like, you have to play this unique chess type of game to like unlock it. You have to beat me at chess. Okay, cool. Now you have to play this other game that's like a top down. Mm. What It's like your character and you're getting chased by a monster and like you can't cross certain lines. Like, like so many different types of games that you're playing within right. the game, which is what gives me the It Takes Two kind of vibes. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say definitely 20 bucks, probably four, four and a half hours of time uh, awesome. worth it. IMO. Cool. That's lost in play. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist this week? I will start with why this episode hit uh, RSS is a little late for folks um, later than usual. Uh, the embargo is up on high on life. Um, so this will be a review in progress. I got my code um, rather late in terms of the grand scheme of things for being able to dive in and, and see a game start to finish. And also my wife uh, was out of town for business this past weekend, which also uh, cut into <laughs> cut into game time. But I am multiple hours in uh, to High on Life, which is um, from the creators of Rick and Morty and uh, Trover Saves the Universe, the other game, VR game. And it is a comedic first-person shooter 
where in, in you're in a very vibrant cartoony you know alien worlds if you see in the trailers it does not look like um a horror game set in a <laughs> barren space station it is the opposite of that it is bright it is colorful it is um unlike most video games especially unlike most first person shooters in terms of the setting and scope and look and the color palette of this game and it is a comedy i mean your gun is talking to you your your weapons are chit chatting away with you and it is very much um in the style of of Rick and Morty, right? That it is not, oh, this is not uh, what, it's, it doesn't break type all of a sudden. It's not like, oh yeah, it's still a comedy, but now this is um, some art house comedy that's very, you have to have played this other game to get it. Like it's uh, very irreverent, very self-aware. Um, it does things that I think Sunset Overdrive also tried to do where sometimes it will make light of the thing you're doing while you're doing it. And I think High on Life hits those a little better than Sunset Overdrive did at the time, but it still feels a little annoying when it's like, well, you got to go get this thing before you can do that. I know how annoying it is to have to go over there to do that. Then don't make me do it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the joke's not that good uh, unless there's like a development reason where like you have no, 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 like some poor coder is like, no, we have to send them over there. I know. I'm so sorry. No, we have to come up with a way to come up with a way to make it a feature, not a bug. And they're like, oh, this is the best we got. Um, but what I was shocked by again, review in progress on maybe three to four hours. I mean, I'd probably say closer to three, but a little over three hours in on high in life. Um, and I'm going to be story vague. Um, cause I think there's some really cool story stuff in the game. So I'll be story vague, but I think what shocks me the most about high on life is how competent of a shooter it is. Like it is an interesting and compelling and handles well first person shooter where you're also doing some light first person shooting platforming. Some we talked about Bioshock Infinite earlier in, in the game, how that's a first person shooter, but in Infinite, you're, you're sliding around on the rails and jumping from platforms and constantly moving, and it's pretty chaotic in how you're attacking these enemies. And High on Life has a lot of that shooting pedigree in it in a way that it feels fast it feels fluid it's responsive um and i was i was shocked by that honestly i thought it would be like it's a shooter but you're here for the story and you want to keep the comedy coming i find that i often enjoy the combat encounters more than (laughs) some of the jokes and i think ultimately for folks whether or not you love high on life it will depend on if the if the humor hits for you and i would i I think it's, you know, it's day and date on Game Pass. Um, as tried as it is, I think it's a perfect Game Pass game. I also think it's a perfect winter break game. You know, you can sit around with your friends and you can, you can <laughs> I think this says a lot about one, the faith they had in the combat and two, that the humor won't work for everybody, but you can like turn down the talking because <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like, there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of jokes, lots of quips. Uh, like if you found me annoying for the first half of this episode, <laughs> uh, there's a switch on this yeah. episode. You can just turn it off. You can just turn it off. And uh, it's a very smart, compelling episode of DLC. Unfortunately, that switch is the subscribe button. Oh no, Jeff. It's a one one point five X speed is what it is. You get to the good stuff. Um and I, I think that's interesting, right? I think it says something about uh the game and its humor, but how competent and engaging the the shooting can be. Um and I, I do not think the humor is for everybody. 
I, I don't think it's going to work for a lot of people, but for the people it works with, I think it's really going to click and it's made by people who clearly also love and understand video games. And so some of it feels a little too on the nosy, Uh, but at the same time, there is such an understanding of the genre and of video games that when things click, it, it, it feels really fun. So I'm excited to play more of it. Um, but it is not the funniest game I've ever played. I think my very first episode of Weekend Confirmed way back when Jeff Garnett was asking me about like comedy and video mm. games. And I think there's a reason why there are so few that like stand up as like the best of a thing. Yeah. Cause it's hard. Cause the care, the player can be in control of the pacing or right. miss a joke entirely. Cause I, I explode a barrel. So I don't hear a punchline. Yeah. I also think that, and this was your reviews actually giving me a lot more faith in high on life. Just, just by the fact that they sort of, are aware of the comedy, not maybe landing for everybody. And it's still a great game. The fact that you can turn the voices down at all tells me, okay, great. They cared about the game experience and not just as an, an medium to share the comedy. Yeah. But I think the nonstop comedy, at least from the clips I've seen, I'm like, that's exhausting in a particular way because you want to hear it. And sometimes I think it could be so per- particular and clever that you want so badly to listen that you're like, it's like distracts you from actually the game experience. And so, uh, yes. And and I think, I mean, there's definitely some you can't escape. Like, yes, you can turn out the talking, but like high on life, you know, there's the, there's the, a little bit of the conceit of what the game is there in the title. Um, mm. And you can't escape what the game is, right? Like mm. y- you don't walk into a comedian show who's known for doing fart jokes and be like, <laughs> not expect a fart joke, right? Like <laughs> you're, you're going you to get sign up for paid DLC and expect. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're going to get you're going to get farts. Um but yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's fascinating. And I think the people who will probably like it the least if you were like turned off by how much talking your side character does in God of War Ragnarok or Horizon or Aloy talking to herself, I think you want to turn down the talking cuz this is this is a lot hmm. of that. I'm playing on PC. I don't know if I said um I got to go to play it on PC. And it's it's a beautiful game and I love seeing a shooter that's not brown. You know, yeah. like there still is a lot of that and high on life is not, it is not that it is uh really pretty. Is it, 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 I'm taking it based on the trailers. It's super adult, right? This is a R rated game. Yeah. It, it, yes. Yes. It, yes. It, it yeah. will flat out tell you that at some point um, in one of the jokes. It's like, why'd you do that now? now oh, there goes our T rating. Oh no. Oh <laughs> no. Funny. Oh, you're, you're going to keep doing it. Oh, come on. That's funny. Yeah, it is. I'm excited to play it. I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of that humor. I'm a fan of Rick and Morty, and and I I don't know. I I do not have the inc- the the feeling that I'm going to be annoyed by it. So maybe I will be even more annoyed by it because I don't see it coming. But <laughs> I I'm I'm looking forward to playing it. It's hard. I I, I truly think it's hard to do because my first play session I think was a little over an hour, and I've never sat down and watched that much nonstop Rick and Morty before. Mm. You know, like it's <laughs> it's good. You, you can, you'd like it. I think it's very smart. You, you can fire hose a game in a way that you don't a TV show. Mm. Like well, you can TV fire hose TV cool. shows if you want to. <laughs> you really can. It's called binging. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for you to play it. I'm excited for other folks to play it and see where it lands for people. Because I love, yeah. I love comedy clearly, and I think it's fun to see uh, high budget, big budget games tackle it and, yeah. and really try to take it on. Um, the other game I'll talk about before we can talk about a game in common, Jeff 
is announced at the Game Awards. Uh, we got a, it's out now for Spoken demo on PS5. And you look at this game and you're like, third person action game, female protagonist, magical powers, shooting stuff. If her hair was red, this would be my game of the year any year it came out. Like, this is Christian Spicer catnip. Um, I do not like it. Wow. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> oh, no. Neither of you do? Sorry. I go ahead, Christian. I know you downloaded it like like mere hours ago, but uh, you guys are not are not digging it? I've heard good things about this demo. Not, I not was good? very excited for it. I, I, cause as a, you know, you all know this, it's hard for family members to buy you video games because we get codes or we get them, we buy them for ourselves. And I was like, you know what? This game comes out close enough after Christmas. I'll, this will be on a list if someone wants to do that. This is a game that I think looks really interesting. And again, it seems right up my alley. It uh, I, maybe it suffers from the demo, like putting you in later stage of a game. So the tutorial you get is like five seconds. Like, here's how you <laughs> shoot. Here's how you run. Go get it, kid. Um, but I don't think it's particularly pretty. Uh, I tried wow. playing with ray tracing and in the, you know, other mode. And I ultimately had to turn it on on the frame rate mode because I found the ray tracing mode just to be um, not blurry. There's the right word for it, but uh, unenjoyable because of the frame rate issues. And I didn't see a graphical improvement that kind of knocked my socks off. Like, oh, I'm going to be missing out on this awesome fidelity if I, if I lower this to so have faster frames. And in the combat itself, it just felt... It, 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 it felt the open world felt oddly empty. Yeah. You know, not Sonic Frontiers empty, but like needlessly empty. I'd go from point A to point B and then I'd come across an encampment, but there seemed to be no in universe world for why 10 thugs happened to be by this olive tree, <laughs> you know, but there they were. And then you're using your what, magic you're to kind what of what they're there for. Forspoken. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that that's the you could turn that off in high on life. You could just that joke wouldn't exist for you and uh, you, would, you never would have heard it. <laughs> um and then I was never able to get into a great combat rhythm. Like I I think I see the loop of like you use this magic and this magic and this does this and then that does that and then you're parkouring around people, but I was never able to get into a groove. I did run off the environment twice. I did fall <laughs> off a bridge once and I had to fast travel back in order to get there because i couldn't get back to where i was from where i was um i was shocked at how disappointed i was the the combat was so basically i loaded up i did like a bit of the combat tried like parkour i like a very very limited but i consider myself like pretty competent at playing video games in general a very unintuitive even on like what buttons I'm pressing when to get like my hands to work on the Forspoken demo. I didn't have time to like investigate further. There was not like a lock on feature that really made sense. Cause I think they're what they want from their world is that you're parkouring around and you're just like shooting magic. And then it's sort of like automatically targeting things. But I kept expecting to be able to like lock on and run around something. And I could not actually like hard lock onto an enemy in a way I would have wanted. Mm. And then the magic was just, it was like, you press one button to like pull. It seems like you're constantly supposed to be pulling up your UI and switching up what magic and what spells you're using. But how, like, I feel like that directly opposes like, oh, run around things and be parkouring while you're fighting stuff. It's like, okay, run around something, cast a spell a couple times. It's going on cooldown. You have to switch your magic now. Switching your magic pulls up a UI thing that slows everything down. So you're like running through the world 
switching your magic around and then you can use that spell a couple times and then you want to change what magic type and then the other your other hand is doing your support spells and I could like see through it and see where a good flow could possibly be like I definitely want to give it some more time but like if it's if it's up to me I feel like I'm rebinding things as quickly as possible onto other buttons because even just how it felt using the controller was like and this is on PS5 it's not a Mouse and keyboard, I just felt like I needed more hands in a particular way and that the combat they wanted you to have directly opposed like the ideal freedom of movement from the parkouring stuff, which mm. was just like a button you hold. Yeah. And and I think that it is maybe a case of a poor demo because you can uh, switch your magic with the D-pad, which is much faster. But they don't tell, it literally does not tell you that. Um, it oh. tells you to pull up menus with um, whatever they are on PlayStation, R1, R1 and, and L1, and then you're shooting with two. And so the other device I'd give for people trying this if they haven't already is to know that you can change magic with the D-pad. And I ended up turning down that haptic or force feedback on the triggers. It's default set to high. But one of the things that I liked a lot, the, one of the spells I had was you couldn't hold it down, but you're rapidly pushing it to keep shooting like rocks at people and rapidly pushing over and over again against hard resistance of a <laughs> ps5 controller is just not i don't think that's how it's supposed to feel so there's just stuff mm. i hope they can iron it out before release here what next month mm. um but it feels it feels far away but I, I love that there's a demo i, yeah. I mean I, I i truly love that there's a demo that everybody can go play and and see what they think about it because i think there could be a lot there i also think it will rub people the wrong way though who are annoyed with banter talk because this it's not it's not high on life comedy but you and your gauntlet i mean it's constantly chatting at you and i could not find a way to turn it off i felt so, i was like playing it and i was like oh they must not have cast a voice actor yet for the gauntlet oh no and jeff was like that is so generous of you lana i'm pretty sure it's just kind of bad wow. and i was like oh okay Wow. Didn't well, that's it. the Forspoken demo. Sounds like it did not hit with either of you. Um, it did not. Bummer. But bummer. what did hit with me, Jeff? Yes. Is one of the best games of all time played with the beefy GP. Yeah, you were talking uh, about yeah. uh, you were talking about uh, how hard it is to do comedy games, and man, there hasn't been a great comedy game. I'm like, uh, there's another one on your list that's probably the greatest comedy game ever. Um. And uh, we both have played it. I got to I, I got to jump in here and tell uh, folks that um, the wonderful folks at NVIDIA uh, graced me with a uh, RTX forty ninety card, which I put. Hold in on, the, I'm taking my forty eighty out and putting it in the trash uh, now. Garbage. Thank you, Jeff. Thank garbage you for now. telling me that. Yeah, I got a forty ninety, which is checks the math ten more than yours. <laughs> it's ten actually four hundred more. But go ahead. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> So, yes, Christian and I have both been uh, given cards by NVIDIA. Um, very grateful that that they wanted us to uh, experience those cards. And um, I got to tell you, folks, uh, you know, the, as Christian mentioned, these are very expensive cards, very expensive. Uh, and we do not want to minimize that just because we got them uh, for free. Um, they are a big investment. But if you have the means and you are capable, holy moly. Holy moly. Um, I, I got to, I, I also, the packaging is incredible. It feels like this like high end pristine, you know, uh, 
uh, elite level card that it is. And the uh, installation process for me was very smooth, very quick, very easy. Um, there's very little in the way of documentation. And it doesn't feel like the old days when you get a piece of tech and it would be like, <laughs> yeah. you know, working through all that. It's just easy. Uh, the caveat being you need to have a, a power supply, you know, 850 watt power supply is what they recommend. Um, and, and it takes three power cords, three independent power cords for the 4090. Um, but I luckily had that already and, um, I had to dig into some old power cords, but installed it in a breeze. It, it was really simple, um, and got it up and running very fast. I already had, uh, the newest, uh, drivers installed and, um, we'll talk about portal, uh, with RTX in a second, but I just want to kind of give you the overview of my experience. I did right before I, I, I had a 3080. So no slouch card, right? It was a pretty darn good card that I was replacing with the 4090. Right before, literally the last thing I did to my computer before I turned it off to install the 4090 was I ran 3D which is a benchmarking software uh, on Steam. And uh, I got a pretty darn good score on my 3D Mark with my 3080. Turn off the computer, put in the 4090, did the 3D Mark again, the only thing that changed was the video card. Every single, I mean, literally turned it off, put the video card in, turned it back on, ran the same piece of software. I went from 15,379 3D Mark for my 3080 to 23,442. My graphics score doubled, doubled, because it breaks it down for graphics and, and CPU. My graphics score doubled from a 3080 to a 4090. Um, so, I mean, that's just benchmarking software. Take it or leave it. It's just a number, but it's a pretty darn impressive number. Literally doubling my my graphics card, uh, but going from a 3080, a very high-end card, to a 4090. Okay. So, so quick question. Can yes. you just, like, after the show, like, remind me of your address of where your trash will be so that I oh, can yeah. get the 3080 it's, from you'll your look, garbage? Look, yeah, it has, like, a 3080 in it and a, a 2080 <laughs> and a... Yeah. <laughs> my garbage can ugh, yeah. ugh, ugh, don't touch it don't look at it it also has like food waste I don't know. um anyway portal so one of the big things that nvidia was talking about is uh that this re-release of portal with ray tracing and christian holy smokes what what a new coat of paint does to make me go this is the one of the greatest games ever made first of all second of all how little of it I remember because there's puzzles. I'm like, I've done this already. Why can't I get this? <laughs> but the graphical bells and whistles, I'm sure you will agree, are immediately very, very impressive. And I'm playing it on my uh, super ultra wide monitor, which is amazing. I will just kick off the conversation about Portal with RTX and say <laughs> the red button that you often have to put your your personal companion cube on to activate the door looks like candy now, like delicious candy. When I first played it, it was just a big red dot, big solid red. <laughs> now it, it's like, it looks like I w if I put it in my mouth, it would taste delicious. It's translucent. It looks like, it looks like, like a red candy. It's it's amazing. And I mean, the, the game looks in, insane with the ray tracing enabled. I'm getting insane frame rates, even at the, the crazy resolution. I'm sure you're enjoying it too. 
Yeah. So the other, some of the marketing materials talks about this, um, but as one who uh, really doesn't know when to stop talking, I will continue talking. It's difficult to explain what is happening with Portal in Portal with RTX without getting too technical versus other games that have ray tracing, because I think uh, either Nvidia or the community at large has done a poor job defining these terms. Because you hear ray tracing and you think, oh, Control had ray tracing, cool, or Metro had ray tracing, cool. I know what that is, and yes, but no. That is a. It's like ray traced reflections or ray traced shadows or ray traced minor thing or one part of this game is ray traced and what portal with rtx is is full full ray tracing all of the yeah. tracing all of the rays are traced all of the tracing again not to get too technical with the nitty-gritty of all of those things but you know when the specs were released people were looking at it and they were like oh it used to be can your computer run crisis and now it's can your computer run a game as old as crisis like what what's, <laughs> why is this game so demanding it's an old game but it is the, the amount of computations that this game yeah. is doing to create all of the ray, global illumination, the, the, the highlight shadow, all of the things, full path tracing is staggering what this game is, is, is doing in real time as you play it. And so I think it's, it's, it's hard for folks that haven't maybe watched a video to understand that, yes, those other games have ray tracing, but they're doing a fraction of what this game is doing in terms of the bounces and, and everything that's go ahead. And it does. I mean, you're, you're saying it's impossible to talk about it without sounding technical. And I just went on a whole rant about how it looks like candy. <laughs> I think one of the things I just I pulled up the, uh, a polygon article about that. It specifically has a picture that's got like a slider with like a, a picture of that button that you're talking about, Jeff. Yeah. And like the reason that it looks so delicious that is hard to sort of quantify is to get the re- light refractions hitting through that translucent thing to be reflected and refracted all throughout the different facets of the button and then shot out correctly into the space. I think, uh, I mean, it's incredibly challenging, but just this little slider between RTX on RTX on off in this polygon article called uh, portal is getting a ray traced upgrade this fall. Like if you don't know exactly what, we're talking about go to this article and play with the slider and yeah. you'll be like, which, which side do I want? RTX on RTX off pretty clearly you want RTX on. Or That's just amazing. imagine a delicious candy like button. <laughs> it is. You it's, sound no, like it's... a real TikTok kid right now. Are you going to go eat a Tide Pod after this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, it looks like hard. It looks like hard cherry candy, but I mean, there's so many things in the game that you immediately notice. Um, it's it's awesome to go through a portal and see your own shadow, you know, as you walk through the portal, you know, because Shell, which is the main character in Portal, is rendered. He's just first person. You never see her, but you do see her when she passes through the portal and you see yourself and you see your own shadows walking up to glass that has ripples in it and how things. I mean, I was walking back and forth past glass with ripples in it back, just marveling at how the world diffracts and i don't know the right terminology it looks like candy <laughs> the it, one thing it, i think is like kind of deceptive about this is like when you, i'm scrubbing through it now it's been like it's been given some kind of visual upgrade as well like the button is a different button it's been like remodeled entirely like i don't know how much went into 
yeah. recreating this world so that things are probably more performant and will actually work for these these like the textures will actually work yeah. correctly. Um, but so much of I mean, because you're in in inside the test the aperture test chamber in Portal, right? And it's mm-hmm. this white world, but so much of the of the clues of what's happening are done with colors and light and how light is bouncing around and you get, you know, you get laser blasts and you get the the colored, you know, blue and orange portals. And so much the, the game really shines with this global ray tracing. It really it really just feels like a a marvel. Uh, mm. I was I played way more of it than I thought I was going to because of how I played all of it did you really because one it's been so long since i've played portal one and two i texted you a picture my my youngest daughter was just blown away by it it was so awesome to see her first portal experience like but you're oh and i would sit there and like have her tell me how to solve them you know and try to figure through them um and so we saw uh i'll call it apple's really good at this right they have a term and you're like i don't know what that means but this is a full retina display and you're like i I want that and like (laughs) RTX can mean a lot of it's doing it's the same tech, but the yeah. way in which it's done and how much is done is different. But other games have had what I will call uh, expansive ray tracing before, namely Minecraft and Quake 2. But those games, um, Minecraft by design and Quake 2 by age are simpler games that I found that while Quake 2 with all the RTX bells and whistles on was impressive, it felt like an old game with fun flashlights in it. You know, mm, I was like, oh, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. But Portal is the first game that I've played that has the, the full path tracing, ray tracing turned on that feels, except for when you see Chell's models sometimes and it's like, oh, she's a little stiff. Yeah. Uh, than like mm. what a current character would be. But other than that, Portal with RTX feels like the best graphics of today's cutting edge game. Like, so it doesn't feel dated in the way right. that Minecraft, again, by design or Quake 2 by age look. And so seeing this and, and playing it, how much of a difference in immersion actual real lighting can bring to the table. And I think it's a testament to how demanding this stuff is that for me to play it uh, and get the best frame rate, I am using DLSS 3.0 and all of those bells and whistles. Like even on a 4080, yeah. to do all this stuff in real time is so demanding that I think the most impressive part of it, and I talked about this before, is what DLSS 3.0 brings to the table. And if you have the GPU for it, one, play Portal regardless if you haven't played it because it's a I mean, phenomenal game. But if you have a GPU for it, this is the, this is the definitive way to play the game now. It's transformative. It, it is so good. And if you are able, if you have a GPU that can do it, it is so worth replaying this game because again, yes. it's one of the greatest games ever made by any measure it is one of the greatest games ever made it's one of the funniest games ever made it's one of the smartest games ever it's a game that makes you feel smart as you play i mean it's the perfect candidate for this refresh and it does feel like you're playing the future It, it it looks incredible it looks incredible and it's a great game it's like the perfect marriage of you know classic unmissable you know, demarcation line in video game history game and incredible technology. So yeah, it's a no brainer as far as I'm concerned. It's an amazing experience. Uh, I'll talk a lot more about uh, the 4090 next week because uh, there's some other DLSS 3.0 games that I'll, I'll have played by then. I was out of town this weekend as well. Uh, I did, I did play more Spider-Man on steam with it and do that game. 
on a super ultra wide monitor at a high frame rate with all the ray tracing turned on in HDR. Holy mackerel. It's one of the most insane experiences I've ever had. Swinging through Midtown, (laughs) enveloped in the screen with an incredible frame rate. I mean, I was getting... I was getting like 200 frames per second. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it, I think I said this when I talked about it. It's like, can my eyes perceive the difference of that high frame rate? It's no, butter. but you can feel it. It's butter. You can, yeah, yeah, you can just feel it. It's so, and especially for a game like Spider Man, where it's so fluid and based around that uh, acrobatic movement, it's it's real pretty. Yeah, and that, yeah, I'm, I'm replaying the beginning of the game when you fight the kingpin and you go in that. You have to save yes. save people from that fire. And yes. like that sequence is just stunning. It's just stunning. Anyway, I'll talk more about the 4090 next week, but I do want to talk about a couple of other games. First of all, World of Warcraft has a new expansion and I haven't talked about it yet, which is crazy to me because it's always a big moment in my life uh, that's happened many, many times at this point over the 15 years I've been playing that game. Um, Dragonflight. I think Shadowlands for me, uh, though beautiful, and I played a lot of it, played it, you know, all the way to endgame and a lot of endgame stuff in Shadowlands. Uh, I do think it was a an expansion that did not feel feel good. Uh, it was it, it, all the all the locations were their own little worlds and their own stories, and that was kind of cool, but it just didn't feel like World of Warcraft. It felt like this other thing, and it was all in the afterlife, and it didn't quite make sense. <laughs> Dragonflight is feels flying dragons. It's flying dragons, <laughs> and you get your flying dragon real soon, man. When you start the new expansion, you are so. For those that might not be familiar with WoW, there's been flying mounts in expansions since I want to say Burning Crusade, Burning Crusade, or or Wrathlich King. One of the early expansions introduced flying mounts, and in every expansion you have to do an insane amount of stuff to earn your flying mount for that expansion because it's very difficult to create content in a, in a, in a world like that <laughs> where you could just fly in and do it and fly out. You know, the whole point is like, you got to climb the mountain and get to the bad guy and fight three other dudes before you get to the top of a bad guy. Um, but if you just fly to the top of the mountain and kill the main bad guy, you're done. So oftentimes what will happen is, you know, you'll have flying mounts in the game, but it will be so much you have to do. You have to play through the entire content of the of the expansion, do all kinds of crazy stuff, and then you'll earn your flying mount. Well, Dragonflight is about flying dragons, so they give you your flying mount right away. How you get it is really cool. You, you, you know, you, ha- you get a dragon. You can probably imagine what that's like. There's a whole new faction of... of uh, of uh, a race of, of creatures called the Drakthir. Uh, they're all dragon people, dragon kin. And um, you get your own dragon and you can customize that dragon. Uh, you can add all kinds of cool, neat features. You unlock new stuff. You you know, uh, loot in the game is dragon features that you can unlock, which is cool. Then you can, you know, you go to these uh, little places to change the, look of your dragon, the coloring and all that stuff. So you can really make it your own, which is neat. But the best thing about it is how you fly in this expansion is completely different than how you've ever flown in a WoW game before. 
Previously, when you get a, a you flying mount in an area where you have unlocked flying, you just move on the Z axis all of a sudden, right? You can, you, 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 you fly, you fly. I mean, you, you run, you run, you run, you push the jump button, which leaves you up into the air. And then you can just move in another dimension. You can move on the Z axis and you're like, we're going up and down. And that's very convenient and easy, but there's nothing to it. It's just, it's just moving through 3d space with Dragonflight. How you fly in that expansion is a mini game in and of itself is a fun activity. And it has a lot in common with um, how Batman's cape works in the Arkham games, where you have momentum and, and you're, you're sort of fly, you know, you're sort of gliding through the air. And if you, if you start to, um, if you start to dive, you'll gain a lot of speed and then you can open your wings again and, and catch the air and it'll fly you even higher than you were before the dive. So you kind of do this like dipping and rising and dipping and rising and your dragon has skills. It's its own skill tree, its own talent tree that you can upgrade over the course of the expansion and put points in certain things. And it has points that it can spend that let it, you know, turbo boost and, and gain height, but they get used up very quickly when you're first starting out in the expansion. So there's a lot of uh, incentive to want to upgrade those things. Because actually flying takes skill and you can get better at it and getting to certain places and there's all kinds of stuff in the game where, you know, just getting to a thing, just reaching a point in 3D space has its own reward uh, in a way that they've never done before in, in a WoW expansion. So it's, it's extremely fun just flying the dragon to the point where I'm kind of hoping they make that how flying mounts fly in other parts of the game because... It only works that way in this new area, but I'm hoping they kind of take that and and bring it into other parts of the game too because it's 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 challenging. You're like you can't just get anywhere you want. Whereas if you had a flying mount before, you could just oh just go there. Just bloop, I'm I'm there. But now you actually it's there's a lot of not getting there, you know. And oh, I just missed it. And, <laughs> So does that only work if you're flying the dragon, or is it like any of your previous flying mounts that you equip? I assume it's just literally for the dragon. Yeah, it's flight. just your your dragon um, that you got. Does it equip as a different? Does it equip in your like flying mount slot? Yes. If you now, if you just if you you can make it a favorite, you know, in your mounts list of mounts, mm -hmm. and if you summon a mount in that area, it just summons that dragon. Gotcha. Um, I don't know. I mean, I may be wrong. They, it may uh, also work on other. It may just sort of like palette swap in your other dragon, your other uh, flying mounts. I doubt it. I don't. I doubt it, but I don't know. Um, maybe you know, if if you get to end game, you have that ability. I'm not sure. But, but you can't. Like I don't. I haven't played a lot of WoW, and so I don't know how the expansions work. Do they ever like send you to other areas? Oh sure, yeah. So I like the previous areas, and then it's literally just the new areas that work with the new stuff. You can't yeah. like take your drag and then go over to. Yeah, but that's zone. common. There's, you know, like an expansion will have a new feature and that new feature will only work in that little area mm. of the of the world. Um, so that's not uncommon, but I'm hoping they, you know, expand it to to more areas of the of the world. Yeah. Um, very and, cool. And I mean, one of the reasons I think it will work that way is because the expansion also has a new uh hero hero class um called the evoke excuse me the evoker which is this drag theory the only way to play as an evoker is to be this dragon kin um species and they have wings 
And their wings basically, they have this soar ability. They basically work like the dragon mounts that you can get for any of your characters. So if you start this this hero class, which starts at level 58, I think, um, is which is really fun and works entirely differently, can breathe fire and do kinds of cool stuff. Uh, it, it flies like that. And obviously, because it's a character, you can take it to any other part of WoW, any other part of the world that already exists, and it still flies like that. So, Do you have to be on a dragon mount as a Drakthir to do the dragon flight stuff? No, no, you have wings. Oh. So you yeah. do that. You you fly like that anyway. You have the, cool. the soar ability that is 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 a racial trait. Um, so, I mean, and the game's beautiful. I mean, it's still wow, right? It still feels like wow. And part of me is like, am I, I'm still doing this? 15 years later, I'm still doing this? <laughs> um, but uh, but there's a lot to like in the new expansion, Dragonflight. And I like that uh, sentence where you said it like meaning like, you know, it's still, it's beautiful, but it's still, but just literally on paper, it's still, wow. I'm still like, wow. I'm still, wow. <laughs> but, yeah. But, you know. <laughs> That's a good acronym. Solid acronym. Right, yeah, graphics works. are fine. I mean, they're, they're wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody needs to make an MMO that's called like the acronym is the best. You know, like when I'm playing it, it's like, it's still the best. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but clearly, it, I mean, after 10 years, it's still the best. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I bought the expansion. I'm paying my 15 bucks a month again. Can't believe they're still charging 15 bucks a month for that game, but they are. And still, still fun. Still fun. Still fun. Uh, I think this one is a much more, um, exciting expansion than the last one was, which kind of felt like this weird excursion. You, I mean, you literally are playing the afterlife in the, in Shadowlands. And it was like, just felt disparate and disjointed and disconnected. A lot of disses, which is why I've been dissing it. Uh, but Dragonflight <laughs> much better. And I've been playing a lot of other games, ladies and gentlemen, but we are already at two hours. So I'm going to save those for next week. It's just, there's just too much to talk about this week. I told you, I told you it was going to happen. <laughs> So I know we have lots more we can talk about. Uh, and Lana wants to talk about a board game. I just, we just, I just can't. We, we gotta, don't have we gotta... to. Look, I was just going to do it because I saw you both had board games. And I'm like, I'll yeah. talk about a board game. We'll talk, well, you know, Wednesday we a, exists. We got a whole Wednesday show every single week to add content for. All right. Let's wrap the show up. Uh, we do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. But Lana Bashinsky, thank you so much for being here. Yay, thank you so much for letting me back on the main show. I was trapped on the Wednesdays, never yeah. getting to talk about video games in a serious and structured manner. And so I'm very happy to have come back on main DLC. You had a case of the Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for bringing me. Uh, it is always a delight to talk to you. Uh, we will take any opportunity to talk to you, Lana. You're, you're the best. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and, and all the other things you do online. Uh, for now, unfortunately, Twitter is still the best place to get a hold of me. Uh, I am at Latienai, that's spelled L-A-T-I-E-N-I-E. And then I do have a link tree now that's pinned to my pinned tweet. So you can find me other places because who knows what the future holds. Um, I also uh, frequently stream if you're into game development and specifically animation as a part of the Right Animation team, a.k.a. Rat Animators. Uh, we are on Twitch and Twitter as Rat Animators. We stream maybe once a month, maybe more like every month, month and a half. Um, so check us out on there. And then there's... Oh, you can check me out on the Wednesdays paid DLC. Hey, baby. Hey. Uh, Wednesday mornings. It really is the best. It's so much fun. I love actually listening to them again later. And 
they just bring me bring me so much joy and i hope that they will bring you whoever's listening to me talk right now joy as well well, they bring us joy to do them. That's all that matters to me. Uh, yeah. we, but I agree. I agree. It's wonderful. <laughs> Christian Spicer. <laughs> Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Um, there are a few things I can't – I think this week you'll hear about them, but I can't say them yet. Does that make sense? But there's exciting stuff, exciting stuff happening. I think that I'll get to talk about soon, if not next week. And you might hear it from this week. Um, and where you can hear about it, the best place. Uh, I still have a Twitter. It's at Spicer. But what I've been doing now pretty much is I'm on there so seldomly. My new website, christianspicer.com. There's a little blog section there. Um, just micro blogs, but stuff comes up between these shows, between Wednesday shows. That's where I first was able to post about Portal with RTX when I was allowed to talk about that. You'll see um, high on life stuff there as well when I'm allowed to talk about that. So you can find it over at Twitter, but it's just going to be kind of a, a, a repost of what's happening at the website, which again is christianspicer.com. There's a blog section there. Then I also have a newsletter um, that you can subscribe to for free, where I write long form about video games. You can find that at tinyletter.com slash christianspicer. The last one was about growing up with games and the technology and what the evolution of, of, of games has felt like to me over this last 40 to 50 years. And uh, that one took me a little while to get out, but spoiler alert, this next one, I've got it done. It's ready. I'm ready to click send. I was like, I'll wait till after DLC so people know they can get it and subscribe to it. And it is my favorites, not video games, of the year. I was like, I've put so much time into my favorite video games of the Mm. year. This year, I wanted to keep a list of all of my favorites, all of my favorites of the year. Right? Did I make the list? I'm not doing top. No, Jeff. No, I said favorites. Favorites. You're the best. So it's different. Oh, I'm the top of the list. Mm -hmm. I do favorites, not best. Um, So books, movies, everything but but video games. And you can get that first at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. But video games. What kind of video games? (laughs) I'm I'm saving our butt video games for uh, our prediction show, Jeff. Right? <laughs> all games have butts. <laughs> all right. 2023 is going to be weird. That's not all right. wrong. Uh, you, can, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled two N's and one T. Uh, other shows, the film cast, movies and TV shows. Uh, we're about to do our 700th episode of the film cast. Whew. So slightly ahead of DLC, which is on 400 and something. Um, and that's going to be about uh, Avatar The Way of Water. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to want to hear that episode, I think. It is <laughs> an episode that has been 13 years in the making. Can you bring bumpers from this show over to it that go something like, someone was right and it pisses every... Can you bring that over? Or what I'm going to try. I'm going to try. <laughs> uh, yes. Do not miss that episode, ladies and gentlemen. Do not. Uh, also... I do. We have concerns uh, with Anthony Carboni, which is a comedy science show uh, over 700 episodes of that show. We're almost 800 ep- uh, episodes of that show. Um, it's going to be on Avatar 3. Enough, <laughs> <heard>. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, a show you learn something and you can laugh along the way. You can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, I do a, uh, a sports show called The Fan Controlled Show. It's all about fan controlled sports and entertainment. Uh, good stuff. Check that out. You can find that as a podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Or you can find it on Twitch, twitch.tv slash sports, And that's about it. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. 
Lana, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. Um, at like a very base level, it's very simple. I wrote making things. Um, in the last couple of weeks, I had to I, – I always take on like one project every year, not intentionally, it just kind of works out this way, that sort of forces me to do a bunch of stuff that I never have done before. Um, or haven't done in a really, really long time. This year, it was the Rat Awards, which is an internal award show I put on for Riot. Um, sorry, specifically the Riot Animation Team, where as a part of it, I ended up making with my sister like a big trailer and then physically made trophies for everybody. Wow. And it You're was... Amazing. That's, <laughs> thanks. Anyway, I loved, by the way, I love the slogan for the Rats Awards, which was... Uh, sh- shoot for the stars. Even if you get it backwards, you're one of the rats. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, that's brilliant. Yeah, my colleague found that like some shop somewhere and gave that to me as a brilliant like, gift. Yeah, love it. Um, but like, even though it was very stressful because I was on a time crunch, ma- like the act of like having to like make this video and then make these things, like I've never done that before, and it was very satisfying. Like immediately learned a bunch of new skills, and even if I don't do them again with any immediate speed, it was so it's so satisfying to like just do something new and be like, I did that, I made that thing. And so my parting gift is to like think of just a thing and try to do that thing, and if uh. They're specifically creative things. I think, obviously, I make art for a living. I love that. But as a part of all of this stuff, I also recently rediscovered a book I have that is for that. So if you need a suggestion of like a creative thing to try doing, um, I would suggest figure drawing. It's very simple and very fun. It's just using your eyes and looking at something and trying drawing it. And there's an amazing book by Barbara Bradley called Drawing People that is uh, all of the, the sort of foundational knowledge I have and how I learned how to draw. And I was reading it again recently and it really, it just, it, you know, holds up a lot of great tips for drawing people, for drawing fabric, how to close and, and body parts like wrap around the body and how to get realistic things. So even taking a sit down and just trying to draw some people, it's a great book. It's a great time. Create something. It's a lot of fun. Fantastic. Wonderful. Drawing people by Barbara Bradley. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? I mean, that Drawing People book transitions perfectly into my parting gift, which is a film called Emily the Criminal, which stars Aubrey Plaza. And uh, she is an artist in it, uh, a schooled artist, I should say. And it is a thriller, a crime thriller. And she's so perfectly cast in this film. She knocks it out of the park. Jeff, I, after I watched it, I went and looked through film cast. I didn't see if you all had talked about, it. I don't know if it was on somebody's not. Oh, I talked about, I loved it. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. I don't think Dan and Davidra or Dan, Dave and Davidra have, uh, have seen it yet, but I uh, absolutely loved it. Yeah. It, it, it blew me away. It's such a, a, a small personal thriller, which I feel like we don't have too many of anymore. I feel like they, get lost in car chases and, and this, that, and the other. And it's available on Netflix now. And I mean, I love Aubrey Plaza. I think she's incredible. She's incredible in Parks and Rec. I think she's doing great in um, uh, White Lotus season two. But seeing her in this role, I feel like it, it, it kind of blew my mind of like, oh, her star is just being unlocked. Like this person, she is so talented and I can't wait to see everything she does um, going forward. But it's such a taut, effective thriller um, that's also somewhat relevant to the world we live in right now. And it's available on Netflix. 
Emily the Criminal. We are in an amazing part of the year where a lot of these awards films are coming out and um, are getting rec recognized in sort of end of the year award season for movies as well as video games. And uh, unlike previous years, almost everything is, is coming to streaming so quickly that you're able to watch this stuff. So I'm actually going to uh, piggyback on what Christian has said. I highly recommend Emily the Criminal. It'll probably be in my end of the year list on the film cast. Uh, another movie, if you have not had a chance to see, I don't know if it's hit streaming yet, but if not, it'll be here soon. Uh, if it's still in theaters, well worth going to the theater for. The Banshees of Inisherin mm -hmm. is amazing. Christian, have you seen this movie or have you heard about it? I have not, no. Oh, man. It is um, uh, Brendan Gleeson and uh, Colin Farrell. Uh, it's set in, in the olden times in, uh, in Ireland. And they are friends. And the whole premise of the movie is one of them doesn't want to be friends anymore. That's the whole premise. What are you trying to tell me, Jeff? What are you, you trying to really should see this movie. Is what I'm saying is you should see this movie. You have uh, to be friends first, I think. Yeah. Hey, I'll take it. I will take it. Thank They've you, been Andy. going to the Thank same you. place and talking uh, for hours uh, once a week for years. And then at Sometimes one point, on one of them too. says, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> it's called The Banshees of Inisherin. <laughs> or 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 you can just refer to it by its abbreviation, DLC. <laughs> no, it's a great movie. It's a really an incredible movie, uh, and I highly recommend it. All right. We also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Glenn. Uh, Glenn says, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Glenn says, a few episodes ago, Christian suggested people listen to new Christmas music. May I suggest the Christmas album, Almost a Full Moon, by Canadian indie rocker Hoxley Workman. That can't be a real name. Hoxley Workman. Lana, Lana do you know them? Are you, did you grow up You're together? Canadian. You know of oh, all Canadian things. Oh, that's my brother's friend. No. <laughs> friend. <laughs> oh, had, Hoxley? <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> we had... Uh, we had... Donuts and a Tim Stevens. And poutine and Tim, Tim, some Timbits together. Yeah. He was up on the scavenger hunt. Everybody knows <laughs> yeah. Hoxley. All right. Almost a full moon by Canadian indie rocker Hoxley Workman. While he's most famous up here for the awesome rock song, Jealous of Your Cigarette, his 2002 Christmas album is song for song, one of the best and most underrated albums, not just Christmas albums, ever made. Christmas songs about learning to knit because he's out of money, songs about doing the dishes with your family after Christmas dinner, or songs about getting a cold. This all album has it all. The album will make you laugh, will make you cry, and make you love the Christmas season. Please give it a listen. Oh, and there's a 2001 version and a 2002 re-release. I suggest the re-release, but that's just a preference. Thank you for the many hours of amazing podcasting. I wish you and your families a very Merry Christmas. Thank you, Glenn. Right back at you. Uh, and, uh, I have not heard this, but I'm going to check it out. Almost I, a full I started moon. playing it. I started playing it accidentally as I was trying to add it to my playlist. Oh, good. I'm sure that'll show up in the video version. <laughs> no, I'm just looking down at my phone. The ah, I see. Uh, Almost a full moon by Canadian indie rocker, Hoxley Workman. Hoxley Workman! No. Okay. Um, 
that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Oh, if you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. Uh, this is going to do it. Uh, thanks again to Lana Bashinsky and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the bumpers. Our theme song was created by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Grateful to them as well. Thank you for downloading the show and, you know, I don't know, making it this far. We appreciate you. And thanks to our patrons who make this show possible. Oh my goodness, we are grateful for you. Our hype train patrons, which are the top level patrons, they get their names read out at the end of every episode. And I'm going to do that right now. Yeah, it's time to thank Kevin Eddy, Joseph Frank, Brian Jordan, Hyperboy66, Scott Lambert, David Epp, Sure You Can, Comedian Aaron Trahan, and John Cisco, Curtis from Louisville. ran out the music the music ran out i got taylor wiggert and oxavian ratsiu and jason novak and the music ran out on me oh man i was really really jamming there well we are grateful to each and every one of you i just need to pick a longer track now because we got so many more hype train patrons thank you oh okay all right that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc thank you for listening We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.